listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara. And this is episode number 40. We're at the big 4-0, um, which is crazy. We're racking up fucking episodes, but I guess that's what happens when you hit every week pretty consistently. Um, but yeah, so the big 4-0. So celebrating the big 4-0 with me is uh, my friend Evan Hopper. Um, his primary band is the band Quell, or I guess, you know, a project, um, his project, but hopefully a band, as I guess we kind of talk about. Um, but more specifically in this episode, we're talking about a, uh, a side project of his called Veneral Latrine. He just released an album, um, from that project and, uh, you can go find it on Bandcamp, bandcamp.com forward slash Veneral, or no, be veneralatrine.bandcamp.com. Sorry, um, but yeah, uh, and what what is Veneral Latrine? You may ask. Well, it's a kind of a side project that he did. That's kind of pretty open ended. It's a more electronic based with drum machine, keyboards, a little bit of guitar and bass here and there. Kind of goes between like almost some more industrial experimental parts to a little bit more. Uh, kind of 80s-ish um, type of vibes and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, really, really good album. And, um, yeah, we talk about the album, and then we spin off into a uh, three-hour conversation about a lot of different things. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we talk about music. We talk about life in America. We talk about uh, uh, ridiculous amounts of work sometimes we have to do here. We talk about um, our experiences at the Gathering of Shadows, as uh, one year we discover in this conversation that uh, that his band his band at the time played a the same year that I, one of the years that I actually went to the Gathering. So, which I guess means that there is a connecting link, uh, although. Uh, somewhat, I guess, to last week's with um, with Nas Alchemist, uh, as a uh, he was one of the people who helped put on Gathering of the Shadows, which was an amazing musical event here in Colorado for many years. Um, but uh, yeah, so you know, we talk about a lot of stuff, and um, the uh, it's great like conversation. I think it's a really strong episode. Really um, enjoy talking to Evan. He and I uh, definitely um, definitely click, you know, if you know what I mean. And um, I'm going to have him on again here probably uh, next month uh, to talk about his um, new Quell album, So, which he's just in the process of finishing recording and everything, So, which should be out, um, I suppose, later in May, he said. So, uh, yeah, so in between his appearance now and his appearance later, keep your eyes open for the new Quell album, but we're going to talk a lot more about that into his next appearance. Um, yeah, in the meantime, go check out Veneral Latrine and uh, jam that shit out. But, um, so yeah, what else? Um, not too much to report over this last week. It's been working, you know, whatever. I just bought a book called Frederick Nietzsche and the Left Hand Path. The author of that book, uh, Shay Belay, had reached out to me about being on the podcast. So I'm reading his book, and uh, yeah, we're going to have him on at some point um, very soon. So that is cool. I'm glad to get some more um, 
some more things like some more guests like that on the show. So hopefully, um, hopefully we'll keep building on that momentum. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff lined up, um, coming up in the near future. Uh, so yep. Um, hope you guys will enjoy next week is going to be the next appearance of Joe. Um, Salino, uh, kind of a part two of our previous conversation. And then uh, I think the week after that should be uh, the next episode of of um, Darkness Weaves with Mike Hill, um, if I remember correctly. Might be off, but I think that's true. And which will be Sticks. So go make sure to go uh, read the story Sticks by Carl Edward Wagner. Go, um, you know, make sure you go buy the edition of Unlonely Place by Valencourt Books. Um, I'll be very disappointed in, in you if you don't. And um, then, uh, yeah, that's what's happening. And uh, at the end of the month will be an episode of uh, with my friend Mike Purdy. Um, he's going to be, uh, you know... I've already had him on a couple times, and uh, kind of keep recurring um, every every probably every couple months. We're going to be covering a horror movie, different horror movie. Um, and he decided I let him pick the next one. Uh, the because last one we did was Exorcist one, so I'm going to have him. So I had him pick, and he wanted to do Tremors. So we're going to cover Tremors, which uh, was a movie I loved when I was a kid, and um, definitely uh, you know I like it. I've always liked it as an adult. It's good. I'm, I'm going to go watch it this weekend and get ready to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. So that's uh, kind of the um, um, what's going on in uh, in May. Um, and uh, as well as that, we're going to be doing um, stuff on the Patreon. So uh, patreon.com forward slash Soul Podcast for $2 a month. You can get bonus episodes as well as um, sometimes um, early access to the uh, to the main feed. Um, but, uh, I just, uh, dropped on Wednesday, uh, uh, kind of introduction to a series that will be ongoing on Patreon, um, about Dracula, the series called The Blood is the Life, and, um, yeah, it's gonna be a series all about Dracula, both the novel and the, the movies that I love, um, so uh yeah they'll be ongoing probably we'll be doing that for the rest of the year um every month and um the next episode which will be out the novel i'll probably also put on the main feed but after that it's on patreon only and i got some other stuff uh, lined up to come up on the patreon so yeah we got some more people on there um which is great makes me very happy that that you know people are wanting to get on there and i'm going to try to make sure to get you guys a lot of cool content for everybody who you know is willing to um to to sign up you know it's awesome um all right let's see and which speaking of which uh i'd like to if i can get this to pull up i want to uh Uh, I don't know what it's doing. Okay, so here we go. Uh, want to welcome some of the Patreons, Patrons, Patrons on Patreon, <laughs> and we got uh yeah Mike Hill obviously joined uh, which was awesome. Thank you, Mike. We got Kyle S. We got Emilio G. Rowan Oak, Chris 
McKeeran, Scott Matheson. Thank you all for joining um, the Patreon. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be sure to get as much cool content as possible. Uh, different, different uh, ongoing things and, and one-off episodes and different stuff. So, so uh, keep an eye on that. Before we get into the episode, I also want to go ahead and shout out uh, all the horsemen of the podcast apocalypse. Every other Monday, you have Brandon Legion with Horror Wolf Six Six Six. Every Tuesday, you have the greatest uh, extreme metal podcast out there uh, with Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt, 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 and um, yeah, should be uh, should be appearing on the news section of uh, upcoming episode of Into the Necrosphere if all goes well. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Um, Wednesdays, we have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill, um, the granddaddy of them all. He just celebrated, uh, I think it was his 300th episode. Uh, Thursdays, we have Necromaniacs with uh, Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Um, and then, uh, let's see... Uh, yeah, Fridays there is uh, Break the Apocalypse with John uh, John Draper, uh, Mike Scandato's brother. And then uh, the kind of unofficial horseman is Cheyenne from Trivax with Ibus Manifestations, which, you know, anybody who likes this podcast should go check out that one. And, uh, yeah, check out everybody, you know. Give everybody a uh, follow and a listen and... Check her bell on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of shit. And um, give everybody five-star reviews on uh, Spotify and Apple Music and all that nonsense. And uh, uh, what else? Oh, yes. And you can follow me on uh, Instagram um, at either. So there's Carl Hikara, K-A-R-L-H-A-I-K-A-R-A. Uh, you know... If you don't look, uh, if you look okay, I'll scope you out. And then, um, then uh, the otherwise also there's Denver Underground Radio on uh, Instagram where you can keep track of the uh, radio show posts and also so my radio station, Grant Denver Underground Radio. We have show um, currently every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, Tuesdays both both of those nights start at 9 p.m. Mountain. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tuesdays, there's my show, Darklands, which is pretty much all black metal, dark ambient, death metal. And Thursdays, there's the Upstairs Room, which is whatever we want to play. There's Dark Wave, Goth, Post Punk, Industrial, Synth Pop, um, Trip Hop, Hip Hop, whatever. So that's on Thursday nights. So, yep. And uh, so I have on Denver Underground Radio Instagram, there's both... Everything, both the Solonox and the radio station, radio, radio shows, online radio. When you can all, and those episodes you can listen to at www.denverundergroundradio.com. So, yeah. Tune in. Um, anyways, enough of this, uh, horse shit. Let's go ahead and get into, uh, to the episode. And, uh, 
let's see let's see let's see where is the there we are so um i'm gonna before we get into the uh the interview with evan we're going to be playing uh the song circles from uh from uh veneral latrine so hope you guys enjoy and hail satan Thank you. 
Cool. That's first. First of all, it's good to finally be talking to you. Yeah, semi, man. Semi face to face, you know. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's uh, been uh, contact like through uh, Jackie and Mike's podcast and stuff for a little while now. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I you know I've mentioned this to Mike before, but like um, you know Mike's really the only one that I've ever met in person. You know, and I but I've known mike and jackie and uh a lot of these other guys you know for years but it's always just been through the internet so it's like it's the you know it's the new way to have relationships i suppose just like you know semi semi uh you know in person and stuff like that but you know it's fine i still feel like i still feel like i have a friendship with with all these people you included even though like which is weird to say that, but it, it's true. You know, we talk it like more than I talk to people I actually like grew up with. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a funny thing about that. Like, um, I mean, honestly, most of my friends, uh, people I met through the internet, I mean, even back in the early two thousands, like, um, I have a couple friends I've known for almost 20 years now that we met through like MySpace back in the day, you know, like, yeah, for sure. Like with through our, uh, we all had like these like black middle, like projects and got in contact with each other and whatever, you know? So it's, it's like, yeah, I had back... some of that. I had some of that. Um, and then like, also I used to play video games. Well, I still play video games, but I used to play video games online and like you'd meet people through, um, like vent chatting and stuff like that. That, you know, and then you just add them on Yahoo Messenger or whatever the hell it was you were using at the time and stay friends with them like throughout. So, yeah, it's it's the new norm, I guess, for for our generation to do things like this. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, yeah, I was thinking about it, I was like uh, this point, like I only have a few friends that are actually in Colorado, you know, like so it's like <laughs> it's just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, It's the same for me, too. I mean, I've lived, you know. I lived in Sweden for three years and before that I was in California. And then before that I was here in Virginia. So it's been over 13 years, you know, really that I've been back here. So I have now I have like two friends that live in this town that I'm from. And beyond that, like uh, all, everyone else has grown up, moved away or has kids. And I just lost touch over the, over the years. So it's actually more convenient to have the internet because that's better to stay in touch with people that way than it is, you know, no one hangs out anymore or goes to, well, some people go to shows, but none of the old people that I used to hang out with do any of that anymore. So I end up, you know, either going to shows by myself or I'll head up to like New York and see Mike and, and go to a show with him or something like that. Right. I mean, that's yeah. a good thing, I guess, for you now you're in Virginia on the East coast. You can like go up to New York and hang out with Mike and, every, you know, and, uh, yeah, it's nice. And like, uh, you know, I'm in Northern Virginia, so I'm, I'm really close to Baltimore and I'm close to DC. So I have, um, you know, that's one thing that I was like, I got spoiled when I was that living in Stockholm. Cause there was like a show every single you know week, there was something going on. Even if it was like just local stuff, there was always something going on. And, um, and it's nice to be able to like still sort of do that without, um, you know, missing, feeling like you're missing out on too much. Cause I mean, it can be like where I'm at, even though it's Northern Virginia, it's like, there's nothing that happens in this area. It's like, we've got one town close by, um, that has a, has a venue and, uh, they're having like the, the biggest thing that they're having is they're having like the, um, the original lineup of, of black flag actually is coming through there, but typically it's like cover bands. Like they had like the four horsemen, which is a Metallica cover band and like, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, like 
stuff like that you know like oh what there's one there was a judas priest cover band but it was all chicks i can't remember what they were called but uh, it's <laughs> not really my it's not my style <laughs> it's probably like judas chicks or something. something it was something silly like that yeah yeah i, I don't know like judas priestess or something like that like it was very unoriginal not very thought out but apparently they're really well known in the cover cover uh band circuit which is a thing apparently where there's like whole festivals of cover bands and things like there's like mini kiss and the four horsemen and like all these bands like i had no idea existed which is i mean it's great that there's stuff like that but i'd rather just see the original you know what i mean like yeah show. yeah it's kind of weird like uh and i i know because uh this guy used to work with um he was in his own band but then he's he like he, um, he realized that he could make more money doing a cover band than he could doing his own music. So he started like a cover band. And they just play shows like make so much money, like to you know, like to point that sure. he, he doesn't even have to like work work anymore. Like he just does like music stuff, and it's like that's like ridiculous. Like you can make so much money doing cover stuff, but you can't make that much money doing original. You know, it's it's crazy. Uh, when I was in California, there was this guy who had a recording studio and. um and some people might know him. He's li- he's in Nashville now, trying to make it even bigger. But his name was Chad Land, and um, cool cool guy. And um, I, I've been friends with him over the years when I was living out there in California. And um, he, you know, he had this recording studio, and he also had like a band of his own. But he made the majority of his money going to the wineries in in that Central Coast area that I lived at. And he would play for like three hours, and like in three hours, he'd clear like six hundred dollars a night and he would just do that like three or four days out of the week and i mean the guy was clearing yeah he's making five six thousand dollars a month just playing <laughs> you know covers for like you know drunk drunk uh middle-aged women and stuff at these uh at these wineries and it was like it, it blew my freaking mind and i knew another guy out there who was um i used to do roofing and this guy um um solomon he was um he was a bass player in a mariachi band and i don't know any mariachi music but they would just play like they would just play um, like Spanish and and Mexican like uh, cover songs and the same thing they would just put a I went to one of their shows one time at this at the Spanish bar Mexican bar and um, they just put a bucket like out on the floor in front of the band and that bucket was filled with money by the end of the night like people would just as long as they kept playing like, and everyone was dancing like they just kept tossing money and they must have pulled like that night that was there they probably had like two thousand dollars in that bucket just playing covers and yeah it makes you wonder it's like shit am i doing like the right fucking thing to me (laughs) (laughs) they're making way more money than i am buddy (laughs) yeah i mean that's the thing like if you want to make money doing music you gotta be willing to do covers and stuff i've just never been very good at doing covers person you know like i'm not a I'm not very, I, even when I do try to do covers, it always comes out kind of like, like twisted, like my own way. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm just not really very good at playing other people's music. So I have no interest (laughs) in it. I have no interest in it either. And like, and I'm a firm believer too, that if you're going to cover a song, you should either like, it should either be as good or better than the original, you know, and, um, or like completely, completely different, you know, in like a whole nother vein. So, and I don't know that I'm I'm any good at that either. So I've always sort of steered clear from doing the covers as well. Yeah, I've only done yeah. uh, don't do very many covers over time. Like, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like when I first started, um, like um, uh, the band, the Silver Chord, thing. You like, we, you know, we wrote a couple songs. Like, we started writing songs immediately, but then, uh, 
um we also were like just to kind of like cut our teeth we did like misfits covers just because like I, I, you know like blood feast was one of the ones and sure. i was like okay i can we can turn this into something where but we didn't really play it live or anything it was just like a thing we played to get used to playing together you know what i mean like absolutely yeah i mean i think i think that's pretty typical you know i mean i thinking back on my first like quote-unquote bands um i had when i was young like we did stuff like that too you know but i think once you once you get comfortable writing your own stuff typically that goes away you know yeah yeah, yeah. now now if i to choose to do a cover it'd be kind of more purposeful like um like oh like i think that i can do something with this that would be interesting like but i definitely would never be like note for note like oh here's the same song like you know but uh, yeah, the, the thing that bothers me about covers too is like uh, a lot of bands that do covers, they always end up picking something that's very well known. And I wish that, especially bigger bands that do covers, would go in some deep, you know, catalog and pull something out that's you know unheard of. But you know, you've got Bad Wolves did that Zombie by Cran Cranberries, you know, or um, or Disturbed does Sound of Silence, and you know, then that kind of stuff to me, it's I I understand it on one aspect but on another aspect it's like you these guys have this huge platform and and i think people would be more interested in hearing something that they're interested in listening to not just something that like is going to be uh, an easy win as far as covers go well yeah i mean and it can be said that covers could be a good thing because i know um you know like garage days by uh metallica for example was mm. a, i mean that had a huge impact for misfits for example you know like a lot of people found out misfits because of metallica you know so it's like you do you can have like a kind of impact but that's because they're picking stuff that they want people to know about like they're picking like am i evil and like you know right. misfits and all those kinds of stuff you know and that's that's my point that that's exactly what i was getting at it's like stuff like that um you know makes a really big difference and and it's also just cool because you you know metallica already has that huge fan base and so anything that they that they showed people people are going to digest it um and and yeah i i agree with you i think the garage days album uh at least the the first one um part one or whatever it is uh has some you know some really interesting picks and i'm glad that they i'm glad they did that i mean you know there's some there's some you know turn the page and shit like that too but you know throwing in the thin lizzies and like you know the um and the misfits like you said and, and all that like that was that was really cool to see them do something like that and i'd be cool to see more bands do stuff like that as well yeah it's funny with the cover band circuit thing you're talking about though like here i don't know if it's just a Colorado thing or if they tour but there's like um there's like a depeche mode cover band where they are like specifically covering um like black celebration era depeche mode oh, so okay. it's like it's like very specific like they like <laughs> they like dress up to look, look exactly like the band from that era you know what i mean like it's so like weird they, they, just, they <laughs> just they just they just love that album so much right? <laughs> yeah it's just they always like they dress up and look like that that era and there's a thing like that too that they do every year here at red rocks where it's like um uh this beatles cover band where they all dress and look like they're like basically like reenactors for like 64 era beatles like their first tour in the united states and they and they do that every year at fucking uh red rocks for some reason there's this band that goes and plays like all these like beatles songs like <laughs> it's, it's interesting i mean it, it's fascinating to me you know it's like i'm always finding 
I'm always finding things in music, even now that that just surprise me. Uh, and and I think it's cool, even even if it's not my my jam. Like I, I still like think it's cool that you know there is that there is something like that. There is you know a band touring you know just that era of Depeche Mode or just that era of Beatles or like the other day I uh, I stumbled across Dino Synth. I don't know if you've heard of Dino Synth yet, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, so Dino Synth music, and apparently it's huge. Well, big. And I had no idea. I just, I, it just kind of came up. I can't even remember where it came up. It might've been YouTube. And I was like, what the fuck is this? So I went on Reddit because Reddit's like got, you know, usually has some talkings about stuff. And I went on Reddit and there's like, there's like a thread that's got like, I don't know, like 16,000 <laughs> followers. And it's just dungeon, some dungeon uh, synth music, but it has like, it has uh sounds of dinosaurs just laced over top of the, dun- the dungeon synth. so just take any dungeon synth music but like bland before time or jurassic park sounds on top of that and that's dino synth. that's dumb and, <laughs> and then there's um there's another genre of music i found it's like it's it, speaking of covers there's a whole movement of medieval covers so it's like bard music and yeah. it's but it's all like it's all contemporary music done medieval style. I, I yeah, no idea that existed either. <laughs> yeah, I know about that because I remember seeing. I remember um, going to like a rent the Renaissance Festival here, and there was like some band playing like weird like cover, like medieval covers of of old songs. And I always just thought it was funny. I was always like do joke about like um, like doing like a song like "Move, Bitch, Get Out of the Way," but in like a medieval <laughs> way. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, pardon, like, pardon madam, can you please move? <laughs> I, well, I was like, move, wench, get out the way. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's it's there's so much out there, and in, and every day I'm finding new stuff, so it's great. You know, it's I I don't I, I've mentioned this before talking to um Mike. Yeah, it's 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 not often that I get the same excitement that I got back when I was. Um, younger like first discovering metal and stuff like that but every once in a while i'll stumble across something that i'll just leave on for an hour on repeat and i'm just like really really resonates with me or something like that um recently i've been like rediscovering this is going to sound funny because i've never talked about this but i really like there's a couple j-pop bands that i really like and i do not know why but for whatever reason on youtube like bands like malice miser and and book tick are like popping up again and I'm just like, I haven't listened to these bands since high school. So it's been like 20 years and I'm like, listen to them again. It's like, it's just kind of nostalgic and funny that it's popping up again for whatever reason, you know, which yeah, is when, interesting. When it comes to the J, that kind of J stuff, like, um, I like the the darker ones like Duran Gray and the Despair's Ray and those kinds of bands. Like, Sure. Yeah. yeah those are great like, also. Yeah. Like I really like Duran Gray. I've seen them, I don't know, like two or three times live. Like they put on a oh. good show. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I've never seen them live, but I've watched some of their live performances and they have like a DVD that came out a while back. I watched and uh, and I mean, yeah, just an amazing performance, amazing vocalist. There's another band that's huge in Japan. Um, they're called X Japan. I'm sure you probably have heard of them before, but their very first uh, album is called Vanishing Vision. And it's a, an amazing thrash metal album. And it's completely overlooked in their discography because they kind of only did that um thrash style music on that album and then they started moving more into like what was more popular at the time in in japan which became the uh the 
uh, Kawhi like scene, you know, in the and the J-pop scene. But yeah, that the, Van- that Vanishing Visions is an awesome album, though. Yeah, extra bands were cool. And then um, isn't what's this guy's name who um, after extra band was like here was a hero? I don't remember the guy's name. The yeah, hero. I think is yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Some of his stuff is pretty cool. I guess solo music like has some some good yeah. has some good stuff with that. Yeah, it's and a lot of it's hit or miss. You know, even like I'm not. I'm not the uh, biggest fan of like, you know, everything, but I, I, it has its place in that. I still like, uh, I still like some of that, that Japanese stuff. It's interesting. It's just like, you know, listening to Norwegian black metal or anything else. It's cool to listen to music from other cultures and, you know, and see why things are super popular you know, for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. I think with, um, I think, yeah, for me, I always just was more attracted to the darker side of the ones that like, like different during gray who are like more, I guess dealing with like dark, um, unpleasant stuff, and like kind of feel like like J horror movies as well. Like there's like a element in like a lot of their music that reminds me of like you know The Grudge and Juwan, yeah, yeah. Juwan and Ringu and all kind of stuff, which I really liked because I I definitely had a period. Um, I don't know, probably about like um, ten years ago or a little over ten years ago, where I was like really obsessed with all that kind of stuff and, and like watching all those movies and listening to Darren Gray and all that kind of stuff, you know, so. Yeah, visually, Darren Gray's got, like, you know, a ton of the of the, um, the Japanese horror and stuff in, in, mixed into it. And, like, even on their stage performances, you know, I can't remember the singer's name, but, you know, he's uh, always. Kyo. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. He's always, you know, got contacts in and blacked out teeth or he's covered in blood or, you know, he's definitely like a uh, kind of like the Japanese Marilyn Manson or something, you know, he's got that, you know, that persona on stage where it's definitely drenched in, you know, horror and darkness and stuff like that. And, and the music's heavy too with Darian Gray versus, you know, someone like Malice Miser or something like that, you know, definitely more in that, in that realm of, of heavy music for sure. Yeah. I think, I think that's, um, yeah, because I don't, I'm not too big on, on the Japanese music when it gets like too like, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> too anime, too anime. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, for sure. But uh, but you know, I know people, I know people like that. But uh, yeah, it's just like I mean, um, and I'm a big fan of like uh, Silent Hill, like in the Silent Hill soundtrack. Soundtracks. Oh, yeah. like, I've got a, I've got the Silent Hill two tattoo. It's kind of hard to see on my arm, but uh, yeah, that's even worse. But yeah, um, <laughs> big big fan of Silent Hill and Silent Hill two. Uh, and the soundtracks on those are amazing. Um, I mean, those are like, yeah, those are two of my favorite games of all. That that series is just amazing and and really overlooked as far as like I, I've talked about this uh, before, but you know, video like horror survival horror games like when they're done really well, um, they just like Silent Hill Two is just awesome. I mean, the the amount of despair that you feel when you like finish that video game if you're like really immersed in it it's it's so good it's so good yeah i mean like yeah. i think sound Hill 2 is probably one of the greatest games of all time like it's up there mm-hmm. and um like when you get to the end of that game like i don't know i remember just like yeah you just feel like this kind of crushing feeling like where you like right you're, you're like you're in hell and you killed your wife and it's just like <laughs> it's fucked it's fucked you know yeah and and, and you the whole time like i mean especially because when i played it and i'm sure you're like close to my age I was young, so uh, you know I, I didn't see the ending coming because I had didn't have like a lot of experience in that. So like uh, when 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 you finally had that realization that like yeah 
you know, all the things that he's seeing are just manifestations of his own personal hell. And, and he's feeling the regret of killing his wife and cheating on her and all this, like all this really dark shit. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm really into the whole idea of like going into those kind of other worlds and, uh, and um, kind of hell dimensions and the whole idea of like, reality kind of shifting you know what i mean around around you like where it's like um uh, manifesting your like inner demons you know like into reality like that's kind of what i've always you know see if like sound hill 2 in particular is that it's like i mean um it's, not, I, it's actually not even like 100 percent dimensional shifting it's like it's like it's like the reality itself is shifting around him like to reflect his own personal hell you know it's right. like it's so dis disorienting sometimes, like particularly like in the prison part and the Tulke Lake, like prison, like mm -hmm. when you're just going down, 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 and and yeah, and it just yeah, it never stops, like <laughs> yeah, and then like through the whole level, you just keep going down, you never go up, and then at right. the end of it, you come out and you're like on the side of the lake, you know what I mean? Like it's like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's done so well, I know, and I love that kind of stuff, and you know. And there's there's good movies that do it too. There's not not as many as I'd like, but there are you know there are good movies that kind of that kind of play on that kind of stuff. And um, you know, especially just like when you don't see the ending coming. You know, like I, one of my one of my favorite endings to a movie is Jacob's Ladder, because uh, you know the whole time you think that all this is going on, but like really it's just all in his head as he's dying. You know, and yeah, uh, I love I love that concept of of taking the taking the watcher the or the participant like through this whole story and then just at the end being like ah by the way it's not what you thought like <laughs> something yeah. completely different <laughs> yeah jacob's ladder is is an amazing movie like and it's also a big influence in silent hill from what i understand so it's like it makes sense like yeah yeah like i know that the creators were very very influenced by it to the point that like um the way that protagonist of sound hill 2 is dressed up is like modeled after okay, after no, jacob yeah yeah, yeah 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 so it's it's um yeah i mean and then the cool thing with those those things like sound hill or or um jacob's ladder is that when you know what what what's going on but the second time you watch it you kind of pick up more on the symbolism of what he's encountering and everything mm -hmm. you know what i mean like yeah 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 and, uh, it gives it that replay value and it makes it even more interesting in, in a way because like now you're you're expecting it but you're put you're connecting the dots like you said and like that that makes it fun in a different way you know now that you know what's going on so yeah i i, I absolutely yeah i'm on the same page with you there yeah it's, i think uh oh, i'm a big fan of any, of anything that does that you know mm -hmm. the um but one thing before before we get too far and we should talk about is your uh, your new music that you sent me like the and that you put out today the venereal latrine <laughs> yeah venereal latrine yeah um <laughs> so yeah i uh and uh thanks for sharing that on your instagram as well and uh yeah so that is just this new experimental music project um you know it really for me like it, it encapsulates uh uh freedom because i was I started it, I was working on the new Quell album when I when I first moved back here. Um, I was just going through like the whole change of, of locations and like getting reacclimated back home. And I was dealing with personal family stuff. And um, I was just having like a fucking, I wanted to do the next Quell album, but I was just having 
like horrible writer's block. And you know, I'd sit in front of the computer for a while, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, sometimes two hours. And I had, you know, Reaper running and I'd maybe have like 10 seconds of a song or something. And so I just wasn't playing very well and then nothing was coming to me. And um, I remembered in an interview with, I, I can't remember who the artist was, but um, an artist talking about like when, when that happens to to him um that he would he would try to do things that were like outside of his comfort zone and through doing that that would spark uh that would spark some creativity in him that he could then translate it back to his other project so i gave that a shot and i just started playing around i have this midi keyboard um that i barely ever use in quell or never use in quell and so i was like ah i'm gonna fuck around with this midi keyboard so i went on i went on uh read it again and found some synth packages that like for free that like just had like tons and tons of user uh submitted plugins and i just downloaded a few of those and i just like started you know putting down like a, a rudimentary rudimentary uh drum line that i would like you know just write on addictive drums put something down and try to play to it and then before i knew it i had you know all these songs and i didn't really know what to do with it um so i just decided i was gonna put it out for free so uh yeah so now that's that's what it is um and i don't know if i'll if i'll do anything with it in the future uh i possibly will because I, I had a lot of fun recording all this stuff but um yeah it was just like pure freedom i didn't really have any direction to go in i didn't care if it uh you know if it followed like certain rules that music are supposed to follow at times or you know it was just oh i'm gonna do this or, oh i'm gonna do that i'm gonna sing like this or put that effect on that and and then, you know, then I, like I said, I put it out on um, Bandcamp. So it's a uh, venereal, like venereal disease and then latrine, which is just another word for a toilet. <laughs> uh, so venereal latrine at um, dot bandcamp.com. Uh, you guys can go there and just download it for free or, or donate if you want to. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, the whole thing was like, it, it, yeah, freedom is like the only word I can really think. It's just like, put it out there i don't care if it does well or if it doesn't do well and and, and like I, I hope people like it obviously but um it was just something for me to kind of get over my writer's block and uh and it worked i, I started writing quell stuff again so yeah i mean that's that's definitely a, a useful technique and um to do like to just do something completely different the um i will i will say it kind of was like going into it i mean um like I just heard you talking about it, I think with like Jackie or Mike or somebody or they go like talking about like, like as like more post-punk or something. And then, so I was like in my head, I was thinking just based off of those little like things that, Oh, it's going to be maybe, uh, I don't know, more rock based, like, um, like how like Ralph's like ropes and night or something is. And then putting it, then I saw the, the band the album and band name. And I was like, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be it. So then I put it on and I was like, I was like, yeah, it definitely is not like that at all. It's not rock-based music at all. It's like, uh, I would say it's more like industrial and mixed with like maybe a KD's new wave parts, but mm. it all has that kind of weird, weirdo like um, type of feeling of like, like say wax tracks music from the late '80s or nine, early '90s or something. That's kind yeah. of the vibe that I got from it. That's cool, man. Yeah, I, I can totally see that, and um, I'm glad it, it came across as that. I, I, I guess. When I think it was Mike I was talking to, and um, I guess at the time I was I was thinking about a particular song, <laughs> and so like that particular song had some post punk elements to it. But yeah, it's like 
Nah, I, I don't really, I just, I just labeled it as experimental because I really don't know like how to like genre, you know, classify it. I mean, it does definitely have a lot of industrial elements because it's mostly synth and, and all the drums are just programmed drums. But, uh, but yeah, I tried to like, you know, I, like I said, again, I was, I was just trying to create like weird soundscape, like not soundscapes either, but just like weird, weird atmospheres, you know? So like there's church organ on some parts, you know, or there's like the, there's the, uh west coast uh hip-hop um like sliding sliding uh keyboard sound on on one song and then there's some guitar mixed in there and bass mixed in there and this hip-hop beats but there's also a lot of the new wave um you know type beats and stuff and then vocally i just went completely random i like for the very first song pazuzu um i just what i did was i i played that song and I just started like ad-libbing stuff until like I had like something that I liked and then I wrote down it and, and then I would ad-lib a little bit more and then I'd write it down. But I didn't have like anything like really in mind. So like I wanted to, you know, have have it kind of be more vague instead of like, you know, with Quell, a lot of times with Quell, like I'm telling a story or I'm like trying to get some kind of a point across and and. And that also is taxing at times because, you know, I want to be coherent, but I also like, I wanted to invoke like the feeling that is represented by the music. And this, with this, I just was like, whatever, whatever the music inspired me to sing about, I just, that's what I did. And I would just write down whatever lyrics and I would come up with just like a basic, you know, idea. And then I would just sort of like, you know, feed off of that. And that's how I ended up with with the lyrics for this stuff. And, and some of it actually kind of turned out pretty cool, but like none of it makes any fucking sense. You know, if you really listen to it, <laughs> none of the lyrics are like <laughs> they have no real like. Um, it's 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 vague for the the sense of like you can listen to it and make it into whatever you want to make it into instead of me telling you what to to think about or or you know or visualize. You can you can just listen to it and take. Hopefully, you know, people will listen to it and it'll invoke whatever kind of feeling or thoughts from it but it's definitely i mean it is darker music i mean you heard some of it and it's definitely still in that darker vein i, I don't really have um i don't really have happy songs come out of me i'm not necessarily like a bitter person but i just don't write happy music i, don't, I never i never really have <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's, it's definitely darker i mean then yeah first song um that one really gave me almost like a ministry feeling in a way like with the kind of like um the way the vocals are like sometimes where it, where it kind of reminds me of some of those you know like ministry or something like that from like the or some of the stuff reminds me of like revolting cocks or something like that where it's like cool. this kind of like weird you know or like uh yeah those kind of bands where it's just kind of like it's more weird and like experimental and like uh, very left field like in certain parts where you're like don't you don't like during listening to it the first time i really didn't know where the songs were going what i didn't know where the song was going and i didn't know what the next song was gonna sound like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's i mean i'm i'm so happy that's cool <laughs> yeah, i'm so happy that that came across because that was the that was the old like the ultimate goal was just to have no direction you know and and i do like i love bands like bolton cox and swans and and stuff like that and i i really I I don't envy them, but I, I'm like really impressed by the their ability those bands' abilities to do that kind of stuff. And and this has always been something that I wanted to kind of you know dip my my toes into. And I still have ideas like that I I will probably end up doing with this project because there is like there's one idea I've always had to do an album where every single song is a completely different genre. 
And I've, I've still haven't really wrapped my mind around how to do that in a way that doesn't sound like that. That's still like it, like it all fits together, even though it's different. I'd still like to do that someday. So that, that, that'll probably be the next challenge, but see, like, I don't know either because like the whole point of doing this in the first place was so that it doesn't really become anything. And I'm already thinking of ways <laughs> to make it into something. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, I'm already fucked. You know, I, I might just like not do anything else with this and just leave it as it is and do another fucking, I've got, I can come up with another band name. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll right. see what happens. Yeah. We can always do more, more in the Spain as well. Just like free form, you know, but yeah. And I mean, yeah, and I like that that you did have a couple songs on it that were more structured, like, and a little bit more of that kind of 80s new wave post-punk feel, but then there's also weirdo, like, industrial-ish songs, like, you know, experimental songs. So I think it was a cool, like, mixture of stuff going on, so. Oh, thank you, Carl. I really appreciate that, man. And uh, yeah, I hope other people dig it, too. And that new wave stuff is, like... You know that that's all always been something I'd like to I'd like to uh, try my hand at as well. You know I I've been doing metal my whole life as far as musically, and but I'm a big fan of of you know uh, post punk music and wave music and you know Echo and the Bunny Men or or you know like even you know the Gun Club and stuff like that. I, I love these bands so much, but it's just not ever been something I felt comfortable you know. Uh, trying to play because it's just not something that comes naturally to me and i don't think i did that on this album either but i i i wanted to i tried to sort of emulate some of that stuff in a way because uh, it's 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 very you know it's my personal music i listen to a lot of black metal too but um in the days that i'm not that's the kind of stuff that i like to listen to and and the shows i like to go to and because for me it's like you know uh black metal is is always going to be like first and foremost like my favorite thing and and it's in my heart uh but it's it's also part so much ingrained in my life that i, I need a break from it from time to time and that break's always been you know more in the vein of those bands that we were talking about a little bit earlier because it's just you know even stuff like one of my um favorite bands growing up and, and still to this day is uh portishead and i just love the stuff that um you know that that beth does and and how how in a lot of ways like you know she she's free in a lot of ways with the music that she writes it's it's just all over the place and you know it's got hip elements of hip-hop and and you know trippy stuff but it's also like you know she can make you cry she can make you like bob your head and 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 i'm fascinated by that kind of stuff um maybe partially because i i don't know how to write that kind of music but also it's just like uh it really speaks to me on some level yeah i mean for me i've always been uh since i was uh literally literally as long as i've listened to music i've always like split my time between like um metal and extreme music and uh and like post-punk and dark wave and you know all that kind of stuff i mean like literally like i remember getting into my own music and it was like on one hand i was listening to like Slayer and Metallica and on the other hand I was listening to Joy Division and Bauhaus and stuff you know like being yeah. like 10 years old or something right so it's like uh always kind of been involved in both of things kind of concurrently sometimes I've had times where I've been more on on one angle or than the other like um like I definitely had uh, periods in my life where it's been like mostly listening to like post punk and all that kind of stuff um 
or you know just like different kinds of music trip hop post-punk electronic music all that kind of stuff and then like black metal is like 70 30 or sure. other times it's yeah. like so other times it's like 70 percent black metal 30 percent or 90 percent black metal and 10 percent of that or stuff it all depends like i'm always kind of like going back and forth between nowadays i try to kind of balance it like and that's um but i mean i will say that most of the time when i'm listening music um on my own time it's usually black metal but then i also do my radio show where i, listen, where I play you know i have two radio shows one where i play black metal and i play you know right post punk and all stuff so i kind of try to balance it and you know listen to both but and i and i and the same thing with like playing music like uh uh, I kind of very early on, even before I really started trying to make black metal, I kind of developed like a certain type of guitar style that's like based off of post-punk and um, particularly like um, Interpol and those kinds of bands. And uh, yeah. and that's like, so I kind of developed that. And then one the thing that I thought was funny was that when I started making black metal, I started figuring out that a lot of the chord shapes and or not even chord shapes, but the kind of shapes of the notes you play are almost identical like if you put yeah. Transylvania, Transylvania Hunger and like um I don't know Untitled One by like Interpol like the types of like chord shapes and stuff that they're playing are almost exactly the same it's just the way yeah. that you play it is different right so, right yeah, yeah. I was like slower and add a lot of delay and it's a post-punk song when they yeah add a lot of distortion yeah. it's the black metal song <laughs> yeah so I think I think very early on I saw that there was like a definite connection between the two genres which I mean I'm not definitely not the only person who's seen those connections because i mean like you know even back in the early 90s you had guys like um i mean varg vikernes for example was saying another thing that he wrote that he was like listening to the cure's disintegration like constantly when he was for making sure. like the vis of taros and stuff like that you know what i mean so it's like it goes back as far as black has been around people have been doing that you well, know yeah um host from uh Take, uh he he he's claimed oh not claimed but he said before that um you know the sisters of mercy is one of his favorite bands you know yeah so, i mean yeah he covered um covered uh sister mercy on uh um on one oh, of the right right yeah and then um you know i remember when the earliest black metal album bands like uh albums i got was uh black shining leather by carpathian forest oh and that, fucking awesome album <laughs> yeah and that has a cover of the of the cure on the back right, of forest. Right. and so i you know i'd already been listening to the cure for you know year you know since i was a kid basically so i was like i felt like a kind of automatic like connection where i was like okay sure. yeah like like yeah you, uh, you, you already had an in because of that like yeah yeah but then, you know, I'd already been listening to, like, the Swans and stuff, so I was already really into, like, like extreme music and also metal. Like, I've been listening to Slayer and stuff, so black metal was a very natural thing for me because I was like, okay, these are this kind of metal that has guys who listen to The Cure, you know what I mean? Like, making black metal. <laughs> and no no hatred, because, I mean, I do, like, I, I do, like, Behemoth, and I do, like, um, uh, Shining. But uh, that that cover of uh, A Forest by them was uh, by Nick Lusson and... Um, and whatever that guy's name adam darsky uh not darsky what's his fucking name nurgle nurgle um i did not care for that cover i just thought it was okay you know but uh but carpathian i love carpathian forest man that was the one of the first black metal bands i ever got into like um i've you know i've got i've got the fuck you all like metal box uh digipack album like i've got like almost everything that they did like I, and i was lucky enough when i was in italy i got to um hang out with not the frost and, and uh host from Taka, and uh that was that was a really that was a really interesting uh 
interaction. I met not the frost and I never, I'm, I'm going to say this. I never met the man ever, but I, uh, we were like, uh, this, this, uh, Italian friend of mine was going to be driving for them, uh, from, we were in a town called Brescia and we were going to, uh, drive to a show that they had in Milan and he was going to be the driver. So I was hanging out with him. We go to this, uh, this tiny little hole in the wall, uh, motel called like the motor motor Inn or motor lodge Inn uh, in Italy, in Brescia. And it's just like no one in there except for all these black metal guys. <laughs> and, um, and Nata Frost walks up to me and, um, and like I, I put my hand out to shake him and he shakes my hand and he goes, I know you. And I'm just like, no, we've never met. He goes, no, I know you. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was so surreal. And like, and, and uh, yeah, I got to sit and talk with those guys for a little bit. Now it's like, I don't usually fanboy out. And I, I did a pretty good job of not fanboying out. But inside, I was like, I was just. I was like full of electricity because like <laughs> that I love that band so much and like I mean everything from like his terrorist project to the um, or the Nat Frost like solo stuff to the Carpathian Forest you know and and um, yeah that's such a now I, I wouldn't say it's underrated because I mean a lot of people know them but it's a it's not a talked about enough band in my opinion when it comes to black metal I mean they're just like they have such an awesome discography and so many good songs and and it just like kind of you know bands like enslaved and emperor you know they they outshine them and and i guess rightfully so because they do a lot of you know they, they do a lot of work to get to that point well maybe not emperor but enslaved does um but yeah carpathian is like one that i wish they i wish they would do a documentary about black metal that didn't have that just just fucking didn't do em uh, emperor and and burzum and mayhem like like we already have enough documentaries about those bands like i want a documentary that does you know Paka and and shining and and carpathian forest and um shooter and bands like that you know and and talk about those bands because those bands deserve the spotlight too in my opinion yeah i definitely agree I, that was, that's the thing that um i watched that nrk uh helvete documentary and it's not a bad documentary but it, I, I haven't seen it yet but i saw it on youtube it's been popping up in my feed yeah i've watched it like twice and um like it's not bad like uh i like but it's kind of disappointing because they have like say little clips of d interviews they did with like bjorn from like you know like you know the nidrosian scene like like mm -hmm. ritual death and and um you know celestial bloodshed and stuff and they just talked to him like once or twice in it and you're like i know they recorded more with him like <laughs> and all these other guys who are like these more you know um underrated bands but it's like um but they just don't, they kind of just drop the ball at the end of it. Like they, they go so in depth with like beginning of mayhem and the whole thing of Burzum and everything. And then as soon as that's over by, you know, when it comes to black metal post 93 or whatever, 94, it's just like, they just kind of tie it up. Like it's kind of like, yeah, man, like, that's disappointing. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, like we need like, uh, we do need that. Like we need, um, particularly all those bands that can't, that really, uh, kept it going in the 90s and the 2000s because i mean you had you know carpathian forest and suitor and erg hall and then the nidrosian scene like right and, um, all this stuff going on like that all form late 90s into like the 2000s into like our era like probably like you know like i'm getting when i got into black metal it was like 2003 2004 you know what i mean yeah like, same right around the same time yeah and, and just like 
there was so many bands like keeping it going in Norway at that same time that I think are kind of underappreciated in my opinion, you know? Sure. I mean, even immortal, like immortal has like a, a small bit in the, like until the light takes us and, and, you know, it's demon as in a bot just talking about, you know, the mayhem guys, it's not even them talking about their band, you know? And, and it's just like, you know, this, it, it just, there's just like, just a vast like vault of, 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 information that like you know and a lot of these guys are still alive so you could still go and you know talk to them you know and 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 interview them and get like you know who knows what they have like stored away in a shoebox in their house you know they might have old flyers or old like video videotapes of themselves like and uh yeah i just think you know if, i hope somebody one day with like the the wherewithal and like and the money you know uh goes and and does something you know like um you know the you know the the infamous um, black metal uh, book by Peter Best. You know someone needs to do a a movie version of that. You know a documentary version of that. Like, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see somebody um, document all those bands that I aren't as like you know well known. Because um, yeah, we don't. I mean, we just don't need. Like, we all know the whole story of Mayhem and and Varg and and it's like. Obviously, the Helvetia store and everything going on when with all that is like important and like you know built a lot of the other stuff. But there's so much going on post that era that you can really talk about. And uh, I mean, like say in like the '90s, like late like '90s, you know, like it wasn't until um, um, Thomas Erickson was doing his podcast interviews with a lot of those guys, like Nog from Suter and stuff, that like I was like finding out about how um, I think it was Rockefeller. There was like um, they had like a rehearsal space next to Rockefeller or something. And uh, mm-hmm. they would, uh, all the bands would, all the bands rehearsing like Mayhem and um, back in, you know, in the 90s and Suter and all these guys, uh, R&R and all these bands were like hanging out like and sharing rehearsal spaces and all this stuff like in like, you know, late right. 90s, early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I think that's how Attila even got on that Day Mysterious album because uh, wasn't it that uh, Tormentor was practicing at that same jam spot while mayhem was recording that day mysterious album um i'm not well no no i think um with that he they had the tormentor demo and they um were in contact he was in contact with them like through mail and stuff like that okay and um they invited him to come up and do the vocals i think okay okay i might yeah my wires are crossed there but um yeah but no i know i know what you're talking about and to thomas erickson's um credit you know he's like the first fucking guy to ever get snore from fucking thorns on an interview, you know? And like, that's, that seems sacrilegious to me too. I mean, especially when you're talking about the first wave second or second wave of black metal, you know, how do you not have thorns in anything? You know, it's not in until the light takes us, not in like a lot of these things. They're mentioned, you know, and I, and I think, I think snore was like, was he in it? I know Faust was interviewed and then until the light takes us, but I don't know if snore was. Uh, wow. Snorri was not in that one, but he he was in the NRK one, the Helvet Dead documentary. Uh, he, so, he was so that okay. that was one good thing about that. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, that seems. Oh, that's good that they did that because you know in the lot a lot of the documentaries I've seen, he's like mentioned that project's mentioned, but it's like you know it's not really elaborated on. And and you know when you listen when you listen to that Thorns album and you listen to like Mayhem and you hear the similarities and all that like. 
um, it, it just goes without saying that it's like it was so influential to that mayhem sound and, and for them to not like at least, you know, go into like for 10, 15 minutes about it. It was like just seems silly. Just seems really silly. Well, I know that, um, you know, like guys like um, um, uh, fuck, what's the guy's um, also know my blank has name, the guy from Offermod. Um, fuck, oh, I don't know. I don't uh, know. I'm forgetting his first his first name. Uh, the main guy from Offermod. I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I'm like Mika Hakola. Okay. Like, um, he's made posts about how he's like, yeah, like this is like the origin of black, like when the origins of black metal, like the modern black metal sound, like is you know thorns yeah. like airy descends right. and pretty much everybody says that like a lot of the guys in like the Norwegian scene are like yeah this is the first like like 100 like Norwegian black metal riff is like you know airy descends and and like, sure you know between that and like funeral fog or something you know like it's like creating yeah. you know thorns thorn you know if we look at the early earliest um most biggest things in Norway is probably like uh thorns and then and mayhem and uh Burzum, you know, and then Dark Throne obviously was pretty influential when they made the switch to A Blaze of Northern Sky, like in yeah. that. But yeah, I mean, there's so many of those those bands that came after them, you know, that I just I it just bums me out because I mean not not to take away from you know bands like Mayhem and Dark Throne and all of that, because they are, you know, they do deserve like, you know, all the the love that they can get. But you know, there's just so much more out there. And I and I think, you know, especially kids. I mean, I know kids can just go and research it like you and I did, but it would be nice if if it was made a little bit more easy because, you know, people see these movies and documentaries and stuff and they see that and then they maybe they don't. Uh, it takes them a long time to discover a band like Shooter or like a band like Abigor or um, Gehenna, you know, just there's the and and those those albums, even though they're not as popular, um you know, it's, it's some really amazing stuff on those albums, you know, I mean, Abigor, especially, you know, I mean, that's one of my, I mean, as far as German black metal goes, I mean, it, it's uh, them and Bethlehem are like my two favorite. And, um, and then, yeah, just all, there's just so much, there's such a wealth of, of, of information and bands out there that it just kind of gets glossed over. And it, it and um, I just, I, I mean, obviously, I know that the mayhem stuff sells, and the the conflict, and the murder, and there's a lot of you know this that that's that's got you know box office written all over it. But you know, there's uh, from an information standpoint, you know, there there needs to be a more comprehensive look at at the second wave black metal for sure. Yeah, well, it it does suck because you do wish that somebody was out there like you know doing like a documentary about like Not a Frost and like you know 2000 or something. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. Like when he's doing like uh morbid morbid you know strange old brew and morbid uh, uh what's that um more fascination of death yeah more fascination of death you know like that era like when he's like total fucking when Peter Bass yeah. was doing those pictures and stuff like when he's all heroin and drunk and like heroin out and fucking drunk all the time and like you know I mean yeah like there's fucking plenty of like crazy shit going on in that scene too that is you know it's not murder but like you know. Those guys are wild as hell. <laughs> like all of them, yeah, crazy. Yeah, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely heard heard stories like from from people, I, friends I know who I've interacted with. All those guys, like they're fucking, they're wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even like you know, even if you were like, um, talk about silencer, you know, because there's all kinds of mystery like around silencer, you know, with the not yeah. around the the singer, like you know, supposedly, 
you know, obviously he didn't cut his hands off and sew pig's feet onto his hands, but like, but that was a rumor that was like circulating around for a long time, you know, or like the industrial black metal project Stagla, which like, uh, um, has that one album, the project misanthropic, uh, miss, miss, I can't look up. Misanthropia. Misanthropia. Yes. That one. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like where he, uh, supposedly that would kidnap, uh, like, patients from the mental asylum that he was working at and then like record their screams and stuff like that. I mean, you know, who knows if any of that's true, but it'd be cool if somebody did a documentary about it and like talked about it. Right. Cause like, not even like, I mean, I've shown people who like, you know, like I like showing people who played black metal for a living and they, you know, didn't know about silencer. And it's like, how the hell did they not know about that? You know, it's like, and it just, it's just one of those things that I got lucky. Someone showed me that kind of thing. But I would have been in the same boat, you know, that there's plenty of black metal bands I'm finding out all the time. I had no idea existed. You know, my buddy in Australia turned me on to this. I was living in Sweden, literally like 30 minutes away from the singer, guitar player, the main dude of this band, Swartzen. Yeah, Swartzen's uh, great. Yeah, I didn't even know. I was living 30 minutes away from the fucking guy. I didn't even know he was in Sweden. I didn't even know about the band, you know, yeah. and I, got, I found out in like when I was 30. You know, yeah. and it's like, and it's, and so that's my, I guess that's part of my point. It's like, if we had more, you know, if someone did some work and put everything together, I'm not the guy, I don't know how to put a documentary together, but you know, somebody, somebody listening out there, just do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> start, kind, start a Kickstarter. <laughs> kind, kind of like a documentary version of um, like the cult, the, you know, like um, the cult never dies and, you know, that um, book evolution of the cult and stuff like, yeah. I really like what uh, all the stuff that he's done, like, um, like you know like really like getting in depth with these you know artist profiles all these bands and stuff you know it's cool like right yeah swartz and uh i fucking uh i love them i found i found them back in the day like early 2000s i got a their second out al- their album his majesty yeah and, and so i've been following swartz ever since and like huge fan of huge fan of his stuff like he's one of those guys who no frills you know it's just like guitar bass drums vocals you know occasionally like maybe like little like atmospherics here and there yeah but just fucking like dark evil music like i love it yeah but it's weird it's weird and and you know he's got really weird moments in there and i i actually contacted him um and i never ended up got the getting to hang out with the guy but we spoke a few times and uh, i sent him the last quell album to listen to and he gave me some positive feedback on that and that was really awesome um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of his music. Just uh, again, you know, it's always I'm always really because it's what I do, you know, the one man metal thing. So I'm like, I'm always really impressed when there's other people who who do that and they do it successfully and they do it well. And uh, and I'm really big into his style because it is black metal, but it's unique black metal. I know that sounds kind of silly to say that, but it is. You know, I, I know you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like um, his stuff is like songwriting based where it's like it's not it's no like it says no frills it's just like the way he writes songs is so unique and individual to the way he does it that mm-hmm. you know it has these kind of abstract quality to it at times where like you know it's going along and and the way the riffs are and then all of a sudden it'll be like these weird like hits on the drums like in weird parts <laughs> right. and you know like it's just like it has this like real like dark sinister feeling you know that that's really cool it's not melodic at all it's like this kind of like you know um it's fucking evil <laughs> yeah it's like it's like evil and a- abstract and and kind of like 
yeah, like there's not really anybody who writes like him, really. I mean, maybe the closest thing I could approximate is occasionally some parts of his stuff reminds me of maybe pure Holocaust. You know, that might be a, um, a somewhat of a, of a reference. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But not 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 immortal as a whole, but just, just the album pure Holocaust, you know. But his stuff doesn't. You're breaking like up that. on me. I don't know if it's me or it's you. I don't know. It's uh, maybe it's me. You're like you're like freezing. Oh, that, okay, there we go. There it is. There <laughs> it goes. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the um, but yeah, it doesn't sound like pure all cost so much. But there's some of the ways that the riffing is in pure all cost kind of like reminds me of some of Swartzman, I guess. Yeah, I can see that for sure. But, and uh, you know, yeah, that that's. Yeah, again, I mean, I, we know we're just we're just going to talk about this all night, but yeah, there's just so much good black metal out there that it doesn't get uh, enough attention, and uh, and you know, I, I definitely want to do my part to shine, but I would love to see, I would love to see like a main, a more mainstream thing, um, you know, just out there, and people should check out that book, you know, if you haven't seen, if you haven't read the Peter Best, um photography book uh, i think i think it's just called is it norwegian black metal i can't remember what it's called now um but it's uh um i don't know i think you can find reprints of it i'm not sure uh, but you can definitely find it um like digital versions of it online and uh you know it's really a really cool look into black metal because it was like he was documenting it at, at the time it, it was actually happening so you've got like you know like cool pictures of like you know, even like Einar from Wardruna when he was drumming for Gorgoroth is like, you know, all in quartz paint. And, you know, now that guy is like super popular because of like the Viking stuff. But, you know, back in the day, he was a black metal guy. And then like, you know, the iconic Natafrost picture of, you know, him covered in blood and holding up the upside down cross. And like, it's just if you like if you like black metal aesthetic and you haven't checked out that that uh, Peter Best book, I, I really recommend people do that because it's got some of the coolest some of the coolest photos ever taken or have been were taken during that period by Peter Best. Yeah, the um the funny thing is that uh, the Denver Library had that book, and I got oh, really? out, I got out of the library and like you know had it like well, was like looking through it you know like just like studying all the pictures and everything so. I would have kept that fucking book, man, because it's like <laughs> I don't I don't think the original I, I mean, I know it's out of print. I, I like I said, I think there's a reprint of it now, but um, there it's a pretty pricey book. Uh, uh, last time I checked, it was it was in the hundreds of dollars to get it. Uh, so, um, yeah. yeah, that would have been a I mean, how would you know at the time, you know, when you're like just checking it out of the library? But you know, <laughs> knowing it now, if I thought if I find that book in the library, I'm fucking keeping it. And I'll just pay the library fine. <laughs> It'll be yeah. cheaper than buying the fucking thing. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah, there's there's some there's some books that I need to pick up black metal books. Like, uh, like I said, I have like the the evolution of the cult book, but I want to get all the cult uh is a, a lie books and um that he does and i have like the only death is real book by uh oh yeah gabriel filcher like that out that book is fucking sick the usbm is a really good one too i don't know if you checked that book out yet but that's a yeah. really good one i haven't gotten that one i know isn't uh mike in it like uh tombs? yeah yeah uh, tombs is in it yeah and um you know it's that's another thing too you know again you know black metal and rightly so um you know, mostly the attention, most of the focus is on Norwegian black metal, but there's, you know, the whole, 
American black metal that was inspired by that. And, and, you know, and there was also, you know, at, at the same time, you know, as Norwegian, you have Finnish bands and, you know, like, um, like Beharit and stuff like that, you know, that are, that are popping you, up as well. If you look at my hoodie is Beharit hoodie. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, yeah, that's, that's another one too, that like fuck never gets any like mention at all. I mean, Beharit's fucking a badass band, dude, like really badass band. And, you know, even some controversial bands like Horna and stuff like that, you know, they, they don't get any, I mean, maybe the reason they don't get talked about is because like some members were in some doing some questionable stuff, but I mean, the band's still um, good, you know, and, and worth like worth mentioning at least and letting people, you know, make their own mind up, you know, and even, you know, even other bands that are quote unquote controversial, like Grand Bilal's Key and stuff like that. I mean, they still I think they still should be mentioned. You know, you can't just like I mean, people talk about Burzum and Burzum's one of the most controversial, you know, people out there in the scene and they talk about him. So I don't see why they kind of like, you know, brush the band like, uh, you know. Or now someone uh, like underneath the rug just yeah. because a couple members are, you know, asshole fascist or whatever. Well, my thing too is you know. that like Corona, like, I mean, they're not about that kind of stuff in their music. So, I mean, I mean, I thought it was laughable, the whole thing of like trying to like label them like with some type of NSBM things because I'm like, their music has nothing to do with that. It's like satanic. Sure. Or, you know, the the links that they tried to say with that band was like kind of ridiculous. Like in my opinion, it was like, it was like six degrees of, of, uh, to Kevin Bacon type of six degrees <laughs> of fascism. Like that was kind of what they're right. doing with Horna. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, I saw, I saw Horna live at the Maryland death fest uh, years ago and they, there was nothing of that at all. I mean, they came out like, just like any other fucking black metal band and they played a black metal show there was no rhetoric in between songs there was no fucking hate speech i mean <laughs> just yeah just a black metal band they're not you know it's it wasn't what people painted them to be i mean i'm sure you know there's stuff like that i mean even but even like bands like Watain, you know uh have had you know members come and go in their bands you know um that that have been associated with stuff but yeah i i i have a hard time you know, just writing off a whole band, unless the whole band is like, you know, fucking, um, you know, doing some shit like, you know, some racist hate shit like Screwdriver or some shit like that, or not Screwdriver, but, um, you know, well, yeah, like I mean, punk, yeah. Screwdriver is like the punk version. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my thing is like, uh, when it comes to all that, is that I I kind of judge the music as one thing, like. In the end, like I don't really give a fuck what somebody's politics are unless they make it part of their music. You know what right. I mean? Like if you're making political music, that's one thing. If you're making, you know, black metal, it's about Satanism and you know nature or misanthropy or whatever the fuck. You know, like then I don't give a fuck like who, what you, what your politics are really. In my opinion, if you're not making it part of your, if you're not going on on stage like making speeches, if you're not like doing interviews about how much you love Hitler and stuff, you know what I mean? Like I don't care like what. <laughs> right, it's two separate making, things. Yeah, if you're not making it part of your whole, if you're not trying to um, progress an agenda through your music, then why should it be an issue? And that's the thing that annoys me sometimes with uh, with the kind of selective way that some bands get targeted is that sometimes it's like you can have bands that don't do anything really, but they, they get like targeted for something that's like, sometimes even just like I said, it's like very tenuous, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And it's, it's complete bullshit and people playing favorites. I mean, 
you know, not to throw the guy under the bus, because I mean, I I'm personally a fan, um, but you know, Hellhammer in that um until the light takes us <clears throat> documentary, he's on documentary saying that he approved of what Faust did when Faust went into a park and killed a gay guy. And he was like, Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that was a good thing. He said it, <laughs> you know, but like I don't hear anybody fucking canceling mayhem, like you know, you know, like people give them a pass for whatever reason, you know, and I mean. I, Varg doesn't make a very good argument for himself. I mean, he, he's pretty much out there, you know, fucking playing right into and people. Um, but, but you know, it's it just it just shows the hypocrisy of that, you know, where people, oh, this band's okay, but not this band, you know, and and like, well, but the guy in that band fucking did the thing, right? Like, you know, like no one's canceling Emperor, but fucking Faust still drums for Emperor. I know, like Trim has been drumming for him recently, but like. I saw Vakken performance where Faust was or Bard Faust was on drums, you know. So I mean, and there was a bunch of people at that show fucking rocking out, you know. I mean, the guy committed a hate crime. Yeah. So like I don't get it. I don't fucking get it, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm with, I'm with you. I, I separate the art from the artist. I, I in, unless, like you said, unless the, the the art and the artist are like, you know, intertwined with one another. Yeah, like even like like with Varg, like I mean um to a certain extent like his personal beliefs about his politics and whatever like i don't you know i don't really see that playing a part in you know the old burzum albums you know like the first no he's singing about lord of the rings and the fucking first like you know a few albums i mean it's all fantasy stuff and you know it's all tolkien based yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> you know like and most of his music's kind of like fantasy based so it's like you know he can have his beliefs and whatever but his music's not really you know, I think to be called NSBM, you have to be making black metal about Nazism. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and fascism. Zeke on, and Zeke Heil on stage and stuff like that. You yeah, know, like, like yeah. you got to be like Wolf Knocked or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, uh, well, wasn't there wasn't there something with um, uh, like Satanic War Master from Finland? Didn't they get caught up in some shit like that too, right? But I don't think that they, I, I'm not sure. I don't listen to everything by them. But as far as I could tell, they never did any nazi like music as far as i know i mean i think that they have um um some stuff that's definitely uh sketchy uh you know sketchy on that, that meter okay. questionable but uh but overall like i mean trickly i feel like that was like a period that he was going through in a way and that can happen uh -huh. people can have like periods where they're like kind of like playing with like um offensive stuff you know what i mean yeah because i don't really feel like you know i follow them him on social media and stuff and i mean he's mostly posting about metal old metal stuff that he loves and like yeah you know, like he's not and he's like kind of like really like kind of anti-nsbm uh to a certain degree you know so it's like you know i mean and i mean amon gondor's last album was like in number one metal album in finland you know so okay you know i mean yeah they try to like really cancel him but uh that's mostly for some stuff at a period, particular period of time and i don't think i mean nothing he's done in the past like 20 years has been like really like that in my opinion it's all about like vampires and werewolves and Satanism <laughs> and stuff you know right, right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah so, i don't know i i i do my best to just like steer clear of you know all that stuff but um as far as my own music goes you know i don't try to use any imagery that could be misinterpreted in any way or, or have any subject matter that would be misinterpreted, but that's by choice. It's not like, um, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't write about that sort of stuff, you know, but the bands that, that do write, you know, um, 
you know, or, or use like, like Norwegian bands using the Norwegian flag in their iconography. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, even though like, you know, people do, I, it's like, whatever. What's the difference between someone doing that and some country motherfucker, like having the American flag, like Garth Brooks flying the American flag. To me, it's the same thing. You know? Yeah, it definitely is the same thing. And, you know, I mean, I don't see any problem with people being proud of where they come from. It, it only becomes a problem if it's like, um, I don't know, use, you're like, uh, where I come from is better than where you came from. And like, I want to kill everybody doesn't believe it. It's <laughs> yeah, not right, from where right, I am. Right, you know what right, I mean? Like, yeah. like but having hottest music or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, if you're like having, you know, you know, I mean, if you love Norway, because uh, you're Norwegian, I mean, why why not? I mean it's a beautiful country, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, if you go to if you go to Norway, I mean I can understand very easily why fucking Norwegians like Norway. It's like you said, it's fucking beautiful, man. It's like one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen in my fucking entire life. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, me too. I've been I've been to uh Sweden and Norway. Uh I went on a trip for like two weeks, like when I was um about eighteen, I think. And oh uh, nice. Yeah, but that's the only time I've been been to Scandinavia. But um, uh, yeah, man, like uh, we primarily spent time in Sweden, but we spent a couple of days in Norway, like driving from Trondheim all the way down to Oslo. Nice, just nice. a fucking beautiful drive. You know, went to the stave churches and stuff, and yeah, that's and awesome. I was listening to like Norwegian black metal, like driving on by the fjords and stuff. And I was like, this is like fucking perfect. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, you, know, you have to, you know, you almost have to. Like when I first moved there, um, when I moved to Sweden, like one of the first fucking things I did, because I'm a fucking nerd, is uh, I went to um, this the the big the big graveyard there. It's called uh, Skogshika Gordon, and um, it's uh, they, that's where Korthon's buried there. So like I went and visited Korthon's grave, and then there's this giant stone cross that's on that property too, and there's like a, a very famous uh, picture of in, of entombed when they were like young kids and they're standing in front of a cross and that's the same cross that they stood in front of so like okay yeah of course i went to those places because it was fucking awesome <laughs> yeah that, and i haven't been I didn't, i've been to stockholm but i haven't been to uh to that that cemetery like i think i think stockholm was like one of the most i've been to paris and other cities and i think stockholm was probably one of the most beautiful cities i've ever seen you know it's just like it's, it's really nice it's really clean um and it's like yeah, it's a, I was, it was, I miss it. I definitely miss it. it. It's such a cool place. And there's always like, always something going on. Like I said, you know, I, there was, you know, Stockholm when I moved there, um, definitely the shift in like music was more towards like club music and hip hop music. So the, the metal and the anything underground was very underground, but in a way I kind of liked that, you know, that you had to go to some, basement club to go see a, a post-punk show or you had to go to some like bar on the outskirts of town to see like a black metal show um and you know people still came out and like and and it was great it was really cool uh, i got to meet a lot of interesting people and see a lot of cool things while i was out there so i value that experience a lot and yeah i i i, I always have a, a a spot in my heart for stockholm it's it's an awesome place yeah i always um i always get get kind of jealous of of europe uh europeans with like their with like some of the really like special shows that they get that you'll never see in the states like you're yeah, never gonna burn yeah or you're or like just like tours like i mean um 
like uh of like just like really great bands like touring together or like you know like we're never gonna see i'm never gonna be able to see on skeptor off in like the states or something you know i mean or behexen no. probably unless they play unless, the only time behexen's played the states is when they did uh um what's that play uh they did maryland death best one oh, yeah. Maryland you, know, Deathless. Yeah, you yeah. know like that's like those kind of festivals are the only time and you're never gonna see any of those bands in the states you know like and some of them are never some of those guys because of their backgrounds are probably never going to come to the states because <laughs> probably not <laughs> <laughs> they got they got criminal records and stuff like that but <laughs> yeah i know that's uh, um and I, I i know exactly what you mean i mean uh i got to one cool thing i got to do just randomly there's this bar there called pub anchor and um the band tiamat was getting ready to do like a couple of shows but they did like a sound check show at this bar and oh, cool. it was this completely stripped down like they were just wearing like you know they weren't like in complete like show mode um and the place was packed but yeah we got to watch you know tiamat do um uh the first two albums uh wild honey and uh the cloud one what's a cloud something can't think of the name now i think it's just called clouds clouds yeah yeah right um yeah and it was fucking fantastic just to like see stuff like that and and yeah like you know just the the fucking festivals that they have out there is uh, i'm jealous of that too i mean america really drops the ball on the festivals and you know the what vakin and you know bloodstock and uh hellfest and uh, all these you know um roadburn of course you know and vgt in germany and berlin you know i mean just all these uh all these awesome you know uh, wave gothic gothic treffen and and just all these awesome festivals that just happen every i mean minus covid that happen every year and you know or like, like um, beyond the gates in norway that's one that i always really want to go to yeah yeah man yeah and it's just like and then you know what's nice in in scandinavia too is that you know that most people you know get paid to take massive vacations every year so you know you can have a fucking month off and just hit every festival because you you're getting paid the whole time and you don't have to work you know it's amazing man. we're dropping the ball when it comes to that kind of stuff here in america in my opinion man yeah i mean that's something that um i think about a lot like when i hear like um, scandinavians talk about certain things i'm like their experience of life is so utterly like foreign from being an American and having to work like 70 hours a week just to like scrape by, you know what I mean? Like never yeah, have any you, time off. Like <laughs> when you tell a Scandinavian person that you only have, we only have five holidays a year. They're like flabbergasted. Like they like, what do you mean? You only have five holidays a year. Like we have five holidays a month. They like, yeah. like legit Sweden has like 30 holidays. Like they call them red days. And like, there's like 30 of them. You know, those are just, days off i mean some of them you don't get paid some of them you do but you know there's 30 days off plus you get your vacation time and if you like um you know if you've been at a place for a long time and you're and you're like signed up with the union like it's almost impossible to get fired so you know you can you know like you get plenty of sick time you're paid for your sick time you can take vacation and get paid, you know, 75% of your check or all of your check. And like, you know, you don't have to worry about your boss fucking firing you like while you're gone and, you know, and, you know, stuff with like, you know, parents, like, you know, in Sweden, like parents get three years of, of leave that's shared between the mother and the father. So like, you know, one person can take all three years or they can split it 50, 50 or, you know, 30, uh, 70 or whatever. And it's like, 
yeah, no wonder the fucking Finland and those places are like the happiest places in the world. I mean, because <laughs> they, you know, their fucking governments though, take care of them to some extent, you know? I mean, there's problems there too, don't get me wrong, but yeah, they've got a few of those. They got a few things figured out and that's definitely one of them for sure. Just, yeah, I mean, Europe as a whole, they know how to enjoy life more. Like I think Americans, like it's kind of depressing that because I think most Americans, we're, we're literally working ourselves until we die. You know what I mean? Like we're there's no... There's no hope, like for like um, any like. Most people don't even have vacation time. I mean, like I get like five days of vacation in a whole year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't even. I mean, some people get more than others. I mean, it depends, but it's like it really all depends on what job you have. You know, here where it's like. Sure, but I mean, but even even then, it's like you know, you you're always worried you know like oh if i take that day off i'm gonna fucking you know i'm gonna struggle next week with my paycheck or you know like if i get sick you know i'm gonna be who knows if i'm gonna be able to uh you know keep my job because i'm only allowed fucking 10 sick days or a a year or whatever you know it's it's insane yeah yeah i I definitely think about that a lot whereas mike yeah i think that um you know i mean it's a definitely have a different life experience where it's like flawless time off and time to time to do things. And in your, it's like, no wonder that they also have like, um, you know, like uh, a lot of great music and stuff coming out of those countries as well, because it's like, you know, they have the time to be able to, to do these things, you know, where well, not only that, not only that, but like in, in Sweden and in Norway, you can, uh, they have these places called Katorhus and it's like, um, it's like a state run band room. And you can get on a list and then like you, know, you you pay a rent, but like, you know, you you some places you don't even have to pay a rent. And if you like are a successful musician and you can prove that you're a successful musician, you can actually get a paycheck from your con- your country to continue to do art and stuff like that. Like good luck finding something like that in the States. You're not oh, yeah. you're not, you're not gonna find that. <laughs> no way. You know? Yeah. And that yeah, I mean, like, like being an artist here, it's like, all right, I'm gonna work sixty hours a week, forty to sixty hours a week, and then, then try to make music like on the, you know, before you pass out every night or something. Right, like, you know, what right. I mean, like you're like <laughs> trying to like crank everything out and like. Uh, and then, and then, good luck setting up a tour or something like that, because now you got four dudes that all have to try and get time off at the same time, and like, you know, and not lose their job, and like, you know, and and you're not, you know you're probably not making any money uh, if you're starting off. So like you're paying for everything out of pocket and yeah, it's just really difficult. I mean, and on the sick thing too, I wanted to say like pre COVID I guarantee, I mean there, I can count many a time that I went into work fucking sick, sick as hell with whatever I had the flu or whatever, because my boss is like, I need you in here today. Like you have to be here. It's like, I'm literally fucking puking and throwing up i mean shitting and, and puking like and, and you need me to come he's like we'll just keep you in the back you know don't worry we'll keep people you know like <laughs> you know but we but we need you here and i'm just like you know and that's just insane i mean i don't think that's probably the same anymore um i don't know i work for myself now but like you know post covid i'm sure they've changed that but absolutely in the in the past when i was younger i mean i got worked i got worked like crazy you know what didn't matter it didn't no. matter yeah no. No, it doesn't matter i mean even now i mean there was a period where it was was different like after covid but uh it's just come back to how it was before like 
Sure. They're like, you got to come in, you know, like you can't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> unless, I guess, unless, I mean, even if you're dying, you probably have to go to work, you know, it's like. Uh, oh, probably. There's been yeah. some jobs that if I was dying, I would have had to come in. They wouldn't have cared. Like, you know. yeah. well, <laughs> you, what, if you don't come in, we're firing you. So it's like, oh, well, I can't risk that. <laughs> yeah. The worst part is he, if, 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 like I've had to happen in my old job where it was like dying sick, I come in and then. They're like, man, you're like, uh, they're like, okay, you can go, you can go. Home. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, like, want to, they want to see, they want to see how dead, like dying you were, you know, like, yeah. And now you, now you have to drive home, like fucking passing out because you feel like shit, you know, like, oh, yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's, fucked. it's so fucked. <laughs> I remember there's one, one only time I, I had like a, um, I never had this before, but it was like a tension migraine or something, like from like the back of my neck, like, um, Oh yeah, I've had where, this. Yeah, where it's like it was so bad that I had to literally turn all the lights, make sure there's no light, because I was like, all the light was like fucking with me, and I was like giving me this headache, and I was like, one it was like probably the worst night of my life I've ever had was I had this like one night where I had this headache, and um, and it came on like in the middle of the night, so it wasn't time for, and I was opening like the uh, the next morning, like so I had to be there at four in the morning or something, because I was working right. at Starbucks, and I was like. Uh, so I was like, well, I need to go in, but I'm, you know, like to at least open the store. Cause I was like the shift. I was like the manager, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. I literally like couldn't even look at a computer screen. Cause it was like giving me a headache. Like, sure. So I was like trying my best to like open everything and final, And then like, um, finally like the, the man, the other manager got there and I was like, all right, I have to go. Like, I, I can't even like fucking like look at anything, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I worked this job at uh, Circle K in California, and I'll totally throw Circle K on the bus because fuck them. Um, and they were like, dude, they 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 would work you to death. I worked like months. I've worked seven to eleven, uh, or sorry, seven to three, and then I'd go home and I'd have to come back for an eleven to seven shift that same day. So what the like, fuck? Dude, and I did. I did this for months. I did this, and that, the only day I had I had off was I had a Wednesday off. But it's not really a day off because I'm getting like you know half my day is already gone, and then the rest of it I'm gonna be spent sleeping. So then I'd wake up like some weird hour in the middle of the night, and then I just have a few hours, you know, whatever before I had to go back to that seven o'clock in the morning shift. And then I'd I'd have a Saturday off, and then I'd have to work Sunday a half day. And then started all over again, seven to three, and then eleven to seven, day off. That's seven brutal, to three. dude. <laughs> and they didn't care, and they paid like shit. And like, I mean, I had just moved there, and I was young. I was twenty, and uh, you know, I was I was moving in with some roommates, and I needed to make money. So, I, you know, I wasn't. When you're that young, you just you just kind of do it. You don't know that you can say no. You know, you you <laughs> you know, you just let people abuse you. And uh, but now I mean, I'd tell somebody to fuck, go kick rocks if they told me that I had to do something like that. Like, I don't even care. Like I, I'll be poor before I fucking do some shit like that ever again, man. Like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's like that's like working almost twenty hours a day. <laughs> Dude, it was fucked. It was fucked. I mean, and, I, and on top of that, you're dealing with money and like you know fucking selling alcohol and like I'm like I'm like just sleepwalking the whole time. So who knows how like you know I'm I'm amazed that I didn't fuck up you know, at that job, but. I, I'll tell you, man. And then, you know, it was just, it was a bad time in general. I was, I was, uh, yeah, it was a bad time. 
<laughs> it was an experience though for sure it was definitely an experience and california was cool i had a lot of cool times in california but there was some yeah that 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 was like my first work experience out there and uh and i did that job for way too long i worked at that job for like over a year maybe. oh shit <laughs> i was there for a while that that shift i wasn't doing for over a year but i i did do that shift for quite a while a few months man and, that's uh, brutal i had to stop doing that man i was like just yeah i was dying i was like i was like just laying i remember i would like get a i, I used to drink and like when i was um i'd get off of work i'd grab a beer and i'd like lay in bed with this beer and i would just fall asleep with the beer like just sitting on my lap like, <laughs> i wouldn't even finish it it'd just be like half empty but I would like, I would be so, so fucked up from like having to wake up so often that I never really like ever got REM sleep. I just kind of like closed my eyes and then like an hour or two would just go away. And then I just opened my eyes and I never felt rested. I was just slowly dying. <laughs> like, yeah. it, was, it was awful, dude. It was so fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have nightmares of that shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I used to, uh, I worked at Starbucks when I was like in my 20s and I was like, you know, you'd have to be there like fucking four thirty in the morning if you opened, and it was just like, it was brutal. Like, like uh, getting up, but like, I still have nightmares about getting up, but trying to get up at three in the morning, I was late so much. Like, there's so many times where I almost got fired because it was like, because you yeah. just like, like, and you'd be so paranoid, like before you had to be there at three in the morning or something because you're like, you couldn't, you just didn't sleep. You know, I was like. Yeah. Like because because you because if you just like slept a little too hard, slept through your alarm, and next thing you know, you're like late. You know, like it's just like it's fucking nightmare. Yeah, you're getting chewed out for some shitty fucking job, and like meanwhile, you know the high up people they don't even give a fuck. They don't even care. But you know, some manager fucking gonna chew you out and be like, Carl, you gotta be here on time. You know, it's like fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this sucks. Like, yeah. Uh, then, then I went through a long period of time where I was like, I'm not doing, I'm not opening. I'm like, fuck that. Like, yeah. I was like, I. But then, but then I just closed all the time, pretty much, or did like a couple like mid shifts. Yeah. And that sucked too because closing all the time meant that like I literally was just working like you know. 12 to 8 or whatever every single day you know what i mean so i never had time to do anything except for my days off you know yeah that's what i hated about it too like i almost prefer the morning shift even though i hate i hate waking up early but um because you know all your friends are off at reasonable times and shows are happening at reasonable times and if you're getting off at 8 or 11 you know you're not doing anything you're just you know if you go to a show you're catching the last act and you're probably halfway through their set or if you're hanging out with friends, you know, they're already trashed by the time you go see them because they've been partying for three hours prior to you even getting off of work, you know. So there's just no social life when you have stuff, when you work a job like that, which I guess is good for music because that's pretty much all I did was just write songs because I was just like fucking living this weird isolated life for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, that was that would be a thing is that when I was working mostly closes and a couple of mids and stuff that was like a more productive time for me with music like i was spending a lot of time writing music because it was like i didn't have to worry about getting up in the morning you know what i mean right. i could i could get home at like you know 10 work on music until 2 12 or 1 and go to you know bed by 2 or something get up like 10 and go to work you know what i mean like yeah so, you know you had time you could like stay up all night and work on music and then get up in the morning and go to work you know like so i would I was definitely pretty productive with music at that time, you know? Yeah, but it's, uh, I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Let's just say, <laughs> I'm glad yeah. that, that that chapter of my life's over. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays I just work, I work 
during the day, like I don't have to get up too early or, you know, but I'm not working too late either, you know? So it's yeah. like, it's that, it's that classic, like, you know, eight to five or nine to five type of thing where you're like, is you know, it's better than working late. And, but it's also better when you camp at three in the morning. Like I, I can't do that no more. Yeah. I started working for myself. Um, you know, I've accumulated a bunch of skills and landscaping and carpentry and stuff over the years. So I just started when I got back here, um, I had I already had some money saved up from when I was in Sweden. So I, I lived off that for a little while. And then when that started to dwindle down, I was like, I got to do something. But I just couldn't stomach the idea. Like around here, the jobs are very few and far between. You know, it's working in a factory or working at a gas station. And I've done all that stuff. And I, I refuse to do any of that ever again. So I just started like getting little you know jobs here and there and building up some clientele. And, and it's nice because now I can set my own schedule, which I really like. You know, this is some days where like, one of the things I always hated about work in general was when it was like a really nice day outside and I'd be driving to work and I knew I was going to be at work until nine. And I'm like, fuck, like this whole beautiful day is just gone. It's lost. So now it's like, I can be like, you know what? I'm not doing that job today. I'm just going to go fucking hike in the mountains today. And it, I mean, I, I pay the price. I don't make any money on those days, but I, I'm at a point in my life now where my sanity is worth a lot more money than than cash is so i uh i do that now right yeah i mean um i was uh during covid like in 2020 2021 i was doing doordash full-time like Mm -hmm. just like which was kind of that thing where you're just like setting your own schedule if i know i had to like go and do something else for a little bit i could go do something and come back and do a dinner rush or something like yeah you just turn the app off and do what you want right yeah so it was kind of nice i mean the downside was primarily like putting miles in your car this is pretty much the only real downside but the problem was after um everything started opening up again and i can uh by the end of 2021 it was like not very not as profitable like you had to work like you had to work way longer to try to make the same amount as you did before you know what i mean like right right so it was like it was just getting to the point where i was like actually just ending up spending all my time sitting in my car waiting for orders and stuff you know like to try to make the amount of money that needed to make you know so it was like sure i was like i'm not this this isn't like really working out but yeah if you're doing the job something like that where you're like doing jobs for people and i mean you can make enough money doing that i mean that's cool like to be able to work for yourself you know what i mean I, I, I get by. I'm not like I'm not rolling in fucking cash by any means. But, you know, uh, I don't I'm, I'm not going to like poo poo money. I mean, it's nice to have money. It absolutely is. But I, I it's not the it's not the whole focus for me. So I'm all right where I'm at right now. If I I might have to, you know, hunker down and and really, you know, put my nose to the grindstone if I want to, like, you know, do something extravagant. But for now, for now it works. And, uh, I'm just going to keep, you know, doing this until, till I can't do it anymore or, um, I find something better. So, right. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's a good, good position to be in. It's nice to have that kind of, that kind of freedom though. You know, like that's something that I do miss is having that kind of, that kind of freedom of like, uh, setting your own schedule and, and whatnot. And, you know, like, even if you're not like rolling in cash, like, but it's like, uh, it's kind of nice. It's for particularly if you're doing music or art or something like that, it's really nice to have that because it is hard when you're working 
60 hours a week or something and you're like trying to do music and stuff on top of that like you know what i mean yeah it's no it's it's almost impossible and then you know and it takes away from your focus too you know i mean even when i'm working in general i mean i wish i had more free time to be honest with you because i'll be like i'll be doing a job and then i'll just get like this like this surge of creative energy like nothing in particular that i can like pinpoint but i'll just get like all of a sudden i'll just have this like feeling like oh i'll be like listening to music or something and something will like just like click and i'll be like oh i want to go home and play some music i'm like oh fuck i can't i'm like i gotta do this thing right now you know and and i will like i i i take care of my responsibilities but even even with the the way that i set up now currently i still have that desire but i mean i gotta work everyone's gotta work unfortunately but it'd be nice to like just not work and be creative all the time <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that would work out you know because i i've had i've had moments in my life where like i've you know like where i've lived off of saved income and stuff like that and i get bored and i and i'm i'm not as productive as i think i would be i do think that they, they need to have a healthy balance because you appreciate the times that you do have to be creative and you utilize it better i find like at least with me personally i find that if i have too much free time i end up fucking off that free time and not doing like the things that i know i should be doing you know and you know it's all well and good once in a while but if you're if you're not utilizing your time um you know productively then uh i don't see the point so for me at least i i, I know that i need to have some sort of responsibility otherwise yeah, I, I have the tendency to procrastinate and fuck off. So having a little bit of uh, responsibility kind of lights a fire under my ass to to stay, you know, um, active in other aspects of my life. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I understand that. Like, um, I find that, um, like, even when I have say, like, uh, if you take vacation time and you're just like staying at home and you're just kind of like chilling at home and you got like all this time where you're just like. So a lot of times I end up not being very productive where you're just like fucking like sleeping in, like watching movies, like not doing anything useful, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll fucking play, I'll play, you know, a video game. Like I just got the new resident evil four got remade and that, I loved that game when I was a kid. And, uh, and I've like have he heavy nostalgia when I'm playing this game now. And I like, I, I have to like just I, I actually haven't touched it in several days because I, I'll just fuck off. I won't do other things I'm supposed to do. I'll just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with playing video games. I love video games, but sometimes I gotta set these boundaries. It's like I'll play a fucking game, I'll play that game all goddamn day long. I do not care. It does not bother me to sit and play a video. I'm, you know, I'm a single guy. I don't have uh, anything else besides music and and games in my free time so i have to try and like get out and like go go for like a long hike or or like you know go see somebody or something something <laughs> that like will take me away because i can get sucked into that sucked into the shit so easily man yeah and, like uh hideo kojima just announced that they're gonna be remaking res or sun hill 2 and and i know i'm gonna be fucked when that happens too so i might just have to sell my playstation before that happens <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they um, yeah, they're doing a whole string of new Sound Hill games. So you know, but the, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. The only downside is that they're all um, you know, they're all like different different you know video game developers who kind of pitched like different ideas. So it's like, um, 
you know, I kind of what I what I kind of some of them have more more input from like the you know Akira Yamoka and all these guys and others, but I I would love to see like them assemble a new team silent to do at least one more game. You know, like get like sure. get those guys together, like Ito and Yamoka and all these guys together, and let's make another game. I know. I'm so I'm so upset that not upset, but like I was really bummed when they they scrapped that PT project because that was looking really really cool. I was like really excited for that one. Yeah, and now then they made fucking Death Stranding, which was a, a walking simulator, it was a steaming pile of garbage. <laughs> it was all right. It was all right. I should talk shit. But <laughs> PT would have been cooler. Yeah, like the Silent Hills, like. I wish they made that because that was pretty close to being a team silent game because it was like a lot of the guys from who did the original Silent Hill games like exactly yeah. yeah yeah that was that was probably one of the biggest mistakes Konami's ever made you know like canceling mm-hmm. that like I just I think most people just don't understand the like why they did that you know it's just idiotic you know like you you have built like this huge like yeah. Yeah. hype yeah. hype for this game and then you just cancel it for no apparent reason you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, no, I and to this day, there's never been a solid answer for why it went down. Speaking yeah. of games, really quick, um, did you? Because I, I know you and Mike, especially, are like really into like Lovecraft lore. Did you ever get into uh, Bloodborne, the game Bloodborne? Uh, I never played Bloodborne. I know the game. Like, um, like uh, I had, I've had friends who are really into. Like, one of my friends had like the Bloodborne Bloodborne art book, which I looked through. So I know like the way the looks and some of the stuff but i never played it because it's a dark souls game so like and uh, yeah dark, the game it's, it's difficult it's difficult yeah. for sure <laughs> dark, like uh dark soul i remember dark souls 3 my ex and i were playing it and uh we couldn't beat the first boss and we played we literally sat there and all day like for like hours <laughs> trying to beat this, this that first boss like over and over again and we just finally gave up like i just wanted to fucking throw the controller out of the window yeah. like, i was so mad <laughs> those they they those games are rage inducing games absolutely and bloodborne's no different it's a frustrating game but um there is a there is a tabletop um uh, board game uh uh, that's made uh, about Bloodborne. That's uh, pretty pretty cool. But like the lore, if you can get into the lore of it, it's really awesome. They like it's it's a hundred percent, you know, elder gods and 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 outer space beings and and like this whole this whole city. There's like a church that revolves around this. Like they found they were. They found one of these elder gods and they use its blood and then the blood transforms all the people. So it's like got elements of like the <clears throat> like the deep ones from like Shadows in Shadow over Insmith. And it's got all these elder gods. And it's dude, it's just really, really cool. And it's a really awesome interpretation of, of that mythos. Um, I think you'd really dig it if there's like there's there's definitely like um retrospectives online that you can like watch um that like kind of surmise like the whole storyline of of the of the game and then there's that there's that tabletop um game as well um uh that's pretty pretty fun too if you're into that kind of thing you should definitely uh check it out sometime because i think you'd really dig it yeah i mean i do uh, i love the the art and the way it looks and stuff like that (laughs) i just uh yeah, I mean, you could always also like watch people play, so you don't have to suffer the frustration. Sure, yourself. Like, sure, yeah. You know I mean, like watching like, videos, video playthroughs, and stuff. Like, yeah. I've done that. I've done that with certain games where I'm like, I'm never gonna play this game, so I'm just gonna watch them play through. Like, uh, 
What was that one that you went and you're like had a camcorder and he broke into like this like mental institution? Oh, uh, Outlast. Outlast, yeah. Like I'm yeah. never gonna play Outlast, so but I watched like a guy play it, like a playthrough of it. There's not yeah. many games that give me anxiety. That game gave me so much fucking anxiety. I put <laughs> I put that game down. I was playing that game and um I was I'll, I'll admit this because it's not illegal. I was smoking some pot and I was playing that game and I got I got fucking heart palpitations. My heart was pounding so hard. I was so nervous. And like, I had to put the fucking game down. I was like, this is like going to give me a heart attack. It was so, so stressful. Like just, you're just being chased the whole time. You can hear like the footsteps and the breathing behind you. Oh man. It was like, I'll give that game credit. It it definitely achieved its goal of, of scaring the shit out of you. There's another one like that too. um, Which is really, really cool. it's called alien isolation yeah yeah you've seen that one that one i've actually tried to play and i i was like my friend had it and so we i was trying to play i was like i'm good like this is too this is too much for me man (laughs) that game that game fucks with me too i i never beat it i wish i had beat it uh but i I, it was another one where like it was just too stressful and i was like i just i just want to play like a fucking game where like i'm not stressed out the whole time so like (laughs) i just i just fucking put it down (laughs) Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not into like the games that are super stressful. Like, I mean, like when it comes to horror games, I'm into like Silent Hill or like Resident Evil stuff like yeah. that. You know, yeah. like Fatal Frame or something. Like, yeah, I. Uh, oh, Fatal Frame's a good one. That's a old. Yeah, one. yeah like yeah, Fatal, Fatal Frame's like scary, but but it's not so fucking tense. Like, like I mean, that's a pretty scary game. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Fatal Frame is pretty terrifying, but sure. It's not like so like stressful where you're running from stuff all the time. That's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I said, they they achieved their goal. Like, I mean, it made a scary game, and it's legitimately scary. But it's it's unplayable for me. Like, it's just it's unplayable. I, I just can't. Yeah, my, my poor heart can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, like I can play like Amnesia. Like that game is pretty cool. Yeah, that was a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's a there's a cool one that's uh, in the vein of that. It's actually it was released on Xbox, um, the original OG Xbox, and I think they redid it recently. I know there's another game by the same name, so it's Call of Cthulhu. But there was the original Call of Cthulhu um, was very much like Amnesia, where like it had like an insanity meter. So like if you were looking at things that were like too grotesque. Um, your vision would start getting blurry and you wouldn't be able to walk straight and you'd have to like steady your vision and like look at something that wasn't horrific so your guy could like regain his sanity. And what was insane with that game was in, this is like, I don't know, 2000 or something. This game, when you fucking got, if you filled up your insanity bar, your dude would pull out a gun and blow his brains out. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I couldn't believe that. But the young me was just like in awe. I was like, holy shit. Cause I I remember I was like locked in some room and I was like going, I couldn't figure out how to get out of the room. And I was slowly going insane. And finally, like I lost control of the player and he just looks down at his hands reaches in his pocket, pulls out like a Luger and blows his brains out. <laughs> the craziest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it was wild. <laughs> I, yeah, I never got to play that original Call of Cthulhu one. Yeah, like, I know they did a new game called that, right? Yeah. But I don't know if it's the I same played thing. It. No, yeah. I don't think it is. I, I, But I think the, see, the, the, uh, the one that I was talking about where you blow your brains out, it's called Call of Cthulhu, but it's actually Shadow Over Insmith. The whole story is Shadow Over Insmith. Oh, okay, um, cool. 
yeah, like it's got the, you know, the you go into Innsmouth, um, you you check in at the hotel, um, you like actually like check the door locks and you can like push and then like the Jews try to break into your hotel room in the middle of the night and they like chase you and they light the thing on fire. It's it's like like word for word, it's the whole story. And it, they did a really good job. The new one is um the new one, I think it's like um because you know in Call of Cthulhu uh, Randolph Carter is like writing uh, his suicide note in the story and he's like recounting like all the things that led up to him like writing the letter that he's writing and then he, like I think he jumps out the window at the end of Call of Cthulhu or something uh, that's a uh, Dagon is that is that Dagon yeah okay um yeah. well it's it's like it from what I know that game kind of takes place in between it's like the events that it's like the events from the time that he's on boat and like he gets rammed by that rogue ship and um and them ending up on that uh island and stuff like that and then him being back in the city again it's like i think the game the new one is like taking place like after after the the expedition on the ship but before he kills himself okay that's what i think the the new one's about i could be wrong about that but i i'm pretty sure that's what i heard like explore exploring that like uh island that comes out of the ocean and stuff like that like yeah but and then like you're back at you're back at home and there's like people like trying to you know like deep ones and stuff like that are like trying to come after you and like because you you know you know this knowledge now and stuff and and i think it kind of interweaves like certain like you know it, it weaves a lot of the other stories together like um you know just with the strange artifacts and like the things that happened um uh in in smith and and like yeah it, i i think it's like uh it's like a retelling of multiple stories but it, it cherry picks like the the bigger events that happen um you know in the more popular uh cthulhu based stories you know right yeah i that make, yeah. that makes sense yeah i had the um I need to get a newer console. So I'm like, I'm like pretty behind on, on, um, video games, like in the sense that, um, uh, like, um, I kind of like, I haven't really been playing very many games since like 2013. Like it was the last time I was like really playing games. I have like a PS2, my ex ended up with like the Xbox 360 and stuff. So like, I haven't really played like newer games. I need to get a new console, like a PlayStation four, PlayStation five, like, but, um, I have the four and I have the two, and I keep the two because I have fucking Manhunt, and Manhunt is the coolest fucking game that was ever made. Um, did you ever play Manhunt? No. Ah, oh, dude, Manhunt. I got. Let me just talk the premise of this game really quick. Manhunt is fucking sick. So it's like Running Man, but way worse. So you're like a convict on death row, and you get kidnapped out of the prison, and this dude who kidnaps you out of the prison um is going to give you your freedom but he wants you to make a snuff film so each level is oh, like no. each level is like you're you're you get dropped off in some area and there's like people like these goons or gang members or whatever they are uh, that litter like each level and you're judged off of how well you execute each one of them and so like <laughs> There's like all these different weapons, like ranging from like a shard of glass all the way up to like uh, a fucking razor wire and a, a gun. And you sneak up behind people. And the longer you sneak up, like you have like a cursor that's like surrounds their body when you get close and it changes colors. And depending on what color it is, it uh, 
uh, uh, jurisdicts what um, or di dictates dictates uh, what finishing move you do on them. And like, dude, it is so for the timing. It's all like you know block block pixelation and stuff like that. You know, like an old PS2 game look. But like, yeah. like you like you punch a dude in the back of his head, and he uh, you kick a guy in his knees, and he falls to his knees, and then you wrap a razor wire around his neck. And you put your knee into his back, and then you saw his head off. I mean, <laughs> it's it's it got banned in like certain countries. I know it got banned in the UK, and it got banned in like Japan. Like it was just so over the top. And um, and you can still find the game, but uh, like there's ports for it for like PC and things like that. But I have like the original one. Every once in a while, I'll break the PlayStation out just to play that game because it's so it's so grim. And, and the, yeah, just the whole premise of it. It's like you're just the whole film, uh, the whole game is just you just like shooting a fucking snuff film for this guy like he sets up cameras so every time you do a finishing move it like switches to like the camera like cctv view of you like you know performing these executions on people and it's it's dude it's so fucking sick that's crazy <laughs> yeah it's crazy as hell they were yeah. wild back in the day man games were games were fucking just like the wild west back in the day oh yeah, yeah. man <laughs> the, um, <laughs> yeah i haven't played ps2 um uh primary primarily uh to have like to play like uh silent hill uh yeah. all the silent hill games i have um the only one i so i don't have uh an original unfortunately because um for some reason it went from being like 50 dollars to like a hundred and like two hundred dollars like oh, two hundred dollars yeah. for a copy and stuff like which is very annoying because i even and back while ago i ordered a copy of it and it never showed up and i never got my money back like oh that's shitty yeah but um yeah but i have the other ones i have sound Hill two and three and all that stuff but uh did you ever so, play the the room did you like that one yeah I, the room is good i have that on old xbox i need to get it for ps ps2 um or buy it i was like thinking i was like it i could either probably i could probably buy an old xbox for cheaper than to buying a copy of the room yeah probably <laughs> yeah but um yeah, so I need to do one or the other, but yeah, I have the room on uh, on Xbox, and I yeah, that game is sick. And uh, recently, so my my old roommate, um, he is like a huge like you know horror gamer, and and also into just games. He's a big gamer, and and uh, he's really into horror games. So a lot of the newer ones, I I played like hanging out with him, like yeah. on his on you know, and um, he had a lot of the old games too. Like he had all the Fatal Frames, and he had like all the Silent Hills, and yeah, and we we um we uh, a couple times we would go on like um this kind of like yearly like um run through the Sound Hill game. So like we would play Sound of One, then two, then three, then four. You know, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I um, was I was bummed about those fucking movies, man. Like they like the Silent Hill one, the one that had Sam uh, Bean in it. Um, that one was all right, but. Uh, the second one that they made was complete garbage. Um, and, but even the first one, like it had a lot of like the, it had a lot of the things that, you know, made Silent Hill really good. And it did have a lot of the characters and it had like the, the church and everything. But, um, you know, it, it, I think, I thought it kind of fell short, which is unfortunate because, you know, it had a lot of good actors in like the, uh, I can't remember that woman's name, but she was like, she did that. She was in that Hansel and Gretel movie recently where she played the witch, um, but she's in that Silent Hill and Sam Bean obviously was in that. And um, that one woman who was in the walking dead was the cop in that movie. They had like a lot of good actors in it, but 
it just uh it just kind of fell short i guess um you know i hollywood makes video game movies that's what usually happens <laughs> i think though for for um video game movies it's one of the better ones so personally because like, I, uh, I agree i agree yeah. yeah i think i think the thing uh, about the movie like i just watched it again last year is that um um it at least like maintains like the style of the games you know yeah. like like yeah. he's like the directors like love the games and they like um would do some of the shots like based off of stuff in the games so like the mm -hmm. whole first section when she gets to the city is almost scene for scene exactly the same as it was in the first game sure you know? yeah sure so, so there's elements to it that i think uh i really like in that sense there's there's aspects to it which um I mean, I don't think work quite as good, but um, you know, I think overall it was a pretty like d decent like uh, adaptation in a way. I mean, it definitely kind of went on its own like direction, you know, like yeah, yeah, they took their own stuff, and it's it's actually um funny because a lot of people like say stuff about like um Silent Hill is based off of Centralia and stuff, but that's not true. The original Silent Hill creators didn't base the city off of Centralia. The movie does. The movie right. takes inspiration for Centralia with the fire underneath, you right, know. Right. Right. Yeah. But but people will say that all the time about this about the series. We're like, no, it's not the true with the games. It just shows that people haven't played the games. You know what I mean? Like. Right. No, and they they just think that because of West Virginia, so then they like associated that. I actually never been to that town, but it's actually not too far from where I live. I should check that town out sometime. I don't know if you're even allowed to go there now. Uh, I've seen I've seen videos of people going there. It's like um. I mean, almost everything's torn down. Like, there's not right. really any buildings or anything. Um, oh, that's too bad. I, I, yeah. I'd rather go like if it was like a ghost town with you know these coal fires burning underground. That would be pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I watched videos of people going there, and um, you can still drive around a lot of the. I mean, a lot of the 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 streets are still like you can drive on them. Like you know, there. But there's a certain parts of it where they they close the streets because. Um, the coal fires like cracked the the street apart and there's like a highway there that people have gone and like spray painted so it's just like this like big spray painted highway sure and i'm sure it's like you know there's probably sinkholes everywhere you go so it's probably super dangerous to even even be there but it'd be cool like you know i, I like every once in a while you know i like to go off the beaten path and like find like interesting things there's this website called atlas obscura and like anytime i travel i, I try to uh go on atlas obscura and just find like any kind of weird thing that's in that area and go check it out you know there's like some weird eerie stuff just hidden all over the country you have no idea it's there like even even here in virginia there's a fucking it's a, a a replica of stonehenge that some artist made back in the 70s that's just in, out in the middle of a field somewhere and there's like no signs pointing to it or anything <laughs> like that it's just out there in the middle of nowhere yeah and uh yeah it's just weird creepy stuff like that's pretty cool yeah i'm I'm into all that kind of stuff like um uh, i've been to a few places like uh, there's um um abandoned missile silo out in eastern colorado that mm -hmm. um pretty dangerous to go to i i, I only went to because my friends have been there before and they were armed so i was like i wouldn't yeah. go there without a gun or something because sometimes it was like you could tell people some people were living out there and stuff but um i'll tell you a cool story about uh colorado that you you'll like so um when I moved out to California, I, I joined this black metal band called Vesterian and they had set up a tour. So we went on this like East Coast tour. But the very first show on the tour was in Colorado in a place called Green Mountain Falls. It's like right outside of Colorado Springs. Yeah. 
And uh, the show was a, a festival called the Gathering of Shadows. Yep, I've been and, I've been to Gathering Shadows a couple times. So okay, so uh, what year was that? Um, it was uh, Terrorism played, and Nocmissian was supposed to play, but the keyboard player stabbed somebody, so they ended up getting like airlifted out of there. Um, it would probably have been 2008, 2000. Let's see. Let's see. I got to do math real quick. I'm 35. I was 21. Um, so that was 14 years ago. So whatever year that is, like 2009, I guess. Right. Is that my, uh, my math right? Yeah. 2000, 2008 or 2009. Um, I think um, I, cause I was at the Gathering of Shadows in 2009, 2010. Okay. And uh, I think I remember that band name, so I think I saw you play live at the Gathering of Shadows back then. We we played in like <laughs> we played in the forest with like tiki torches like all around us. And, yeah. Uh, okay. So maybe you saw it. That's crazy. That'd be really yeah, crazy. I I do. I, yeah, because I've been. I you know like and I went in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. So. And so uh, what we thought we thought for sure uh we taken a wrong turn because you know that road that leads up that mountain it's just like it's on like air force training ground yeah it's like just the dirt road in the middle of nowhere and then eventually we like hit that that metal gate that just had a little cardboard sign that said gos and we're like i guess i guess this is it and then like (laughs) we got there and it's beautiful up there right like there's that lake lake up there and it's like you know like in the middle of mountains it's beautiful up there but man i'll tell you what we thought for sure we were like we were going going like you know wrong turn or something like that you know like it was <laughs> going to end poorly for us but that's yeah. cool i did i had no idea you have been to that i mean i guess i i should have figured you had but um yeah yeah that's the one and only time we ever went there and, and did that but that was like i mean to this day i still remember that that show uh, yeah so it's like such a cool time the getting shadow is really cool like uh yeah i think i did see because I, I do remember the band name uh, yeah. so i'm like yeah that's that's kind of funny but yeah the um <laughs> that was the first year i went like i had been invited because i got in contact with um uh one of the guys um Murdral, who put on the you know it was Murdral and the um nas alchemist you know from nightbringer yeah 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 yeah, yeah. They're, they're the ones you like um put it on but uh and uh but that was the first year i was a- at first actually able to go and i remember having the same feeling driving up to it the first time <laughs> because it was like you're like are we sure we're going to the right place like you know yeah. what i mean like and, and finally you get there and like oh okay yeah i get it. the second time we went was like different because you're like we already yeah. knew how to get there but that first right. time you're like just like <laughs> yeah it was so weird too because that town is like such a small town we stayed at like the only motel that was in that town it's like a red painted like you know motel there and and uh i just remember like the it was like old lady who like ran the place and you know, just all of us dudes like showed up in leather jackets and fucking, you know, band shirts. And I remember her just being like, what are you boys doing? And like, oh, we're going to play this show. She's like, and we're like, yeah, it's, it's up there. And she's like, oh, okay. And like, I just remember her just being like, just totally weirded out, you know, and then more and more dudes showed up and like, and uh, oh man, that was crazy, dude. That was, that was such a crazy show. That was such a crazy show. I think um, there's something really cool. It was, I think it's just really like, uh amazing to see black metal in like the forest you know like absolutely perfect you know, venue. yeah, yeah. The, and like, and it, it did it didn't even start until the sun went down like was also like awesome like you know yeah they yeah. had the, they had like the fire and the tiki torches and mm-hmm. it was like um yeah it was just like a special thing like and in um 2010 the the kind of final he- headlining band was nozzle from australia yeah 
and that was fucking one of the most intense black metal shows I've ever seen because it was just like the vibe and how intense their music just came in and I was just like you know like just like intense like I mean it probably didn't help I was like super drunk but it was like sure sure I mean we all were you know we all were. <laughs> I'll be honest with you and I and I I regret saying this because I did it you know but um I was the soberest of all of us and I drove down that mountain um drunk as fuck uh because you know it was just down that dirt road and I was figuring like we were fine and um there was there was one time where we like we a tire 100 percent went off the road and uh i i got us back on the road but i yeah i i that was a younger wilder evan i don't do <laughs> that, that shit now but back then i was like i was the, the most sober one and like and everyone wanted to go because we had to we had to head to i think we had to head to fucking vegas or something like the next day so we like wanted to get some sleep so we could get up early and like we weren't going to stay up there on the mountain. So we left, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I still to this day, like that show sticks out in my mind is one of the coolest shows I've ever played just because of how unique it was. And like, and, and like you said, like, I don't, I can't think of a better venue. I mean, I've played lots of clubs and I've done a festival or two. Um, but you know, it's always, it's always sort of different. Cause you know, it's like a band in a room or a band on a stage. And like, this was like the way, like you said, like, you know, it's just fire, that's the only light the only lighting was fire and like you know and there's just trees like you just you're just on this like not even like a stage it's just like a spot and like just trees were just interdispersed with people everywhere and like it was like a like a black mass or like a seance or something you know it was like just such a cool thing and um yeah i'll I'll never forget that show that was such a cool cool experience yeah it's kind of has that feeling where i was like this is one of the most perfect ways to present black metal live i think like because you know so much of black metal has that that feeling of nature you know being in the woods or something like and it's like just has that a special feeling i mean you're like looking up at the stars i remember like listening to nightbringer like play and like looking up at the stars like and just like kind of like you know you're just kind of zoning into like into something else you know what i mean uh, absolutely yeah yeah nothing i haven't experienced anything like that since then i mean i've been to, i've even i've been to festivals that are in the woods but it's still like a stage you know big stage set up with trees around you and stuff you know but like that was something special man do they still do the gathering of shadows um well 2010 was the last year for a while because um in 2011 there was like a bunch of fires and the one guy's house got burned down and they lost all oh. their gear and then um uh they did like a, a impromptu one like in like a a venue down in the springs like in um like a you know like an underground venue or whatever like a warehouse okay. venue and then um they didn't do it for a while they did it again they brought it back like i think it would have been 2017 but i wasn't able to go okay and um and then they haven't they haven't done this since but uh, yeah. well that's pretty cool man we got we got to see something special then you know we got to yeah. see something really unique so i i i'm even I'm even happier now with that memory now that you told me that it's like not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that it became hard, particularly with all the fires and stuff, it became harder for them to get a permit to do it. You know what I mean? Like, sure, the, sure. Yeah. The forest, like, people are like, no, we're not, we don't want like people like setting fires and shit, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah. A bunch of drunk fucking black metal guys up on a mountain near the, the fi- near, near the Air Force like fucking training grounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I think one of the funniest was that there's one thing that happened when it went like I think it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen it was I think it was uh that first year in 2009 it was like the second night uh, we were just hanging out 
and sun was starting to go down and they're starting to get everything set up and you know turning everything on and this cop kind of was like driving by you know uh, just trying to check in it out you know make sure everything's okay and they're like they got the the pa going and they're like fuck christ like <laughs> it's just like echoing throughout the whole like valley right. <laughs> and the cop just like rolls up his window and drives away <laughs> we're just like bust now laughing <laughs> We, I remember like one memory that sticks out in mind. This is a personal memory, but it was um, one of the guys that we had gone there with, who had gone to meet us there. This guy, Billy. I don't even, uh, he he's, uh, I don't know what happened to that guy. I don't know if he's even alive anymore. He lived in LA and came out to the show. And um, we like, when we were getting ready to leave out there, he'd driven up, driven up with us. Like, so we couldn't just fucking leave him on the mountain because there's like no fucking way down by yourself, you know? Yeah. So, so we started like trying to find the guy, but it's, you know, it's fucking pitch black and everyone's wearing leather jackets. Like, you know, it's like looking for, you know, like, I mean, looking for, <laughs> looking for something black in the midst of black, you know? So, so we're like walking around and asking like, Hey, have you seen our friend? He looks like this. He's kind of drunk. He's been drunk all day. And like, no one sees anything. And then this guy and this girl, I mean, it'd be hilarious if it was you, but like, it was this guy and this girl walk up to us. And they're like, hey, are you looking for, uh, you know, this guy? And we're like, yeah. He's like, we think he's dead, but he's over by the fire. And (laughs) and the reason why they thought he's dead is because he fucking passed out drunk next to the fire. And the smoke was just bellowing into his face. And he was just passed out next to this thing. And we like had to like literally drag this fool because he was just drag him away from the fire and then like carry him and just threw him in the truck he was he was not dead he was alive but, uh but like i just i'll just, I'll just never forget this like oh yeah i think we know your friend he might be dead and <laughs> we're just like and, and like yeah and i remember too that like knock was supposed to play that show but like during the day um yeah they got really drunk and i i don't know who all i know is the keyboard player was involved and I don't know who else was involved, but the keyboard player and somebody else got into an altercation and one of them got stabbed during the day before the festival had started. So Knock Missium didn't get to play, which was disappointment for me because I was a Knock Missium fan. Well, I guess I still am a Knock Missium fan, but at the time I was I was into them uh, a lot. And uh, yeah, they didn't get to play because of some drunken drug fueled altercation where somebody got stabbed. But for a black metal festival in the mountains of Colorado, it was very fitting, I have to say. Like, right. Yeah, for something like that to go down. Yeah, I remember they weren't able to play that. I think they played the year before, but they they couldn't get their microphone to work because I heard them, so they didn't even play. Like, they just did like an uh, instrumental set. So yeah. it's like they never really played like a proper, proper set there yeah, yeah i think i think that year too like krieg was supposed to come but he didn't end up showing he didn't end up showing up or something yeah yeah i think i remember that too i do remember we played right before this band terrorism and uh i didn't know them until that show but i remember i really liked their look because they had they had all had cloaks on and they had necklaces made out of chicken feet and yeah. I just thought, I just thought that was really sick, like like aesthetic, like you know. And they played some pretty cool black metal worship stuff, but it was pretty sick. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, like, I, yeah, I still listen to their album sometimes. Like, um, uh, I listen. There was um another band that was really cool. That I don't know what happened to them, but they they're like the first band I think on the first night was like this band called Spit Column Erratus or something. Okay. 
and uh, uh yeah we bought their cd but they were they were kind of funny because they were like like very like like when you meet them they're like very like kind of almost like goofy kind of guys like you didn't think that they were going to be like you know yeah i thought they're just gonna be bullshit or whatever and then sure, they sure. start playing and they're just fucking like <laughs> like just fucking monsters like playing their music you know oh, that's, I mean? that's, that's awesome that's you're like awesome. okay like you're like, very different from you know <laughs> on stage like the way you perform it i mean their music was actually pretty good but i mean they're nice guys but it was just like you know they were just kind of like real like it caught you off guard yeah because they're like from california and they're like these real california like guys like talk you know like that kind of like sure that kind of like laid back like california like dude you know what i mean yeah we um we we that tour that we did we didn't play that show with them but that tour we did we did with these guys that were super like friendly guys like that too but they played amazing black metal they were called nilotep and uh they're no longer a band anymore but um they had some really interesting stuff um they were three-piece band um and so just guitar drums and the vocalist and the guitar player adam um uh cool guy he had the fucking craziest setup. He had he had a triple rectifier running two cabinets. So like he, he just made up for the fact that there wasn't any like other guitar player on stage. And they had this song. <clears throat> they had this song that they close with um, every night. I'll have to send you some of their stuff because uh, it's it's a cool band, even though they're not together anymore. But they had this like song called Old Man. It was a, like one of their closers. And like for the very end of the song, um, Adam plays a mandolin, but he plays it through the dual rectifier, like distorted. And it's the creepiest sounding instrument. Like you never would like pin a mandolin to be like a black metal instrument, but it sounds so insanely crazy with like all that distortion and like playing minor chords on it. Like, and just, just fucking like furiously picking it up and down. Like it was the coolest fucking thing I ever saw in my life. Like, I love that. I love that. So I would watch that song every night that we played and we played like like two months of a, of a tour with those guys. And I would like always make an effort to like get in and watch that song. Cause like, I would just every single time it like just blew me away, but yeah, they were like, just uh, with the exception of uh, Adam, they were just all like, you know, pot smoking, like, you know, chill, chill dudes, you know, just wearing shorts and, you know, cut off sleeve shirts and like just chilling during the day. But soon as it was time for black metal, like those guys were all serious, man. And like they came out and put on a hell of a show every time. Yeah, that's how that one band was exactly. They were like cut off jean shorts and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like tank tops and stuff. And then they're, they know like play and they're like fucking this like beast on yeah. stage, you know, you're just like, okay, yeah. cool. That's awesome. I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a cool tour, man. I was, I was really happy to do that that tour. I got to see a lot of cool places too. So, and that was, uh, you know, that that was my first tour I ever did. Um, you know, I'd played shows and stuff like that, but that was the first one I ever did, and like, uh, and that really, that really cemented it for me. Like, I was already sold, like back when I was in Virginia playing shows, but like the majority of the shows we played in my first band were like just house parties and stuff like that. We got it. We had a couple like we did a couple festivals and uh, stuff like that. And then I joined another band um, out of Springfield, Virginia called Ecliptic and Ecliptic did some bigger shows. We played some like uh, headline support shows for bigger bands. Like I won't name drop or anything, but like we, we did uh, some pretty cool shows with that, but it was still kind of like here and there. And then when I went to California and did that tour, I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. And then, 
yeah, I was like, I've still, you know, to this day, I still play music. I don't play live right now, but I'd like to. I'm, you know, I'm finishing up this new Quell album. Um, and then when that's done, I, I'm going to put some serious effort into trying to put the uh, band together and, you know, do a couple spots and just see how it goes. And then who knows from there, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try and take it further, but it's been like, it's been a few years. It's been all of the entire time I was in Sweden. I only played like once. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been like three and a half, four years since I've played a, a live gig. So it's time. It's, it's, it's long overdue. Um, I, I do miss it for sure. Yeah. I haven't played live, um, since, um, 2019. Uh, my brother and I did this, uh, um, this project called flood of blood. And we, uh, it was kind of like a semi improv where we had like a song kind of mapped out, but it was like improv in a way where he was playing drums and he had like this, uh, device that he had made that was like an old tape deck tape machine like a, okay. like a reel to reel but he had made it so it made like this kind of weird like soundscape soundscape stuff and he had to running through like um um like all these effects and stuff and i played guitar and did vocals and then i had like uh i had recorded like samples on like a tape recorder and stuff and so we had this kind of thing where we had these moments where it was like soundscape stuff like with the noise machine and then yeah went into like the music where it was the music was kind of like if you melded like post-punk with um not post-punk like post-rock like with like kind of doom and stuff like that you know like the ending of uh -huh. the song was like almost like more black metal but um yeah we we had this one we kind of like worked out this one song that was like 20 minutes or some 25 minutes or something and um uh we played live at this like uh it was like a noise music festival or something here and like an underground <laughs> like warehouse show and um and that was cool. I have a video of it. I'll have to send it to you. Like, um, the, uh, you know, like the ironic part is that the, when we played live, it was not, it wasn't our best performance of the piece. Like we had done better, like in rehearsal, but you know, at least I have a recording of it. Cause then after, after we did that, it was at the end of 2019 and then 2020 hit and COVID and his mom had cancer. So we weren't able to, uh, cause he's my stepbrother. We weren't okay. able to, um, really get together. Cause he was like, they didn't want to, you know, get her sick or whatever so and then he moved yeah. away so it's like we only have this one recording we never got to finally like record it record it like properly but maybe one day we'll, we'll do that but uh you should still put that out because i mean like that's still like you know a, a, a good memory you know what i mean and like, yeah i'm sure people will be interested in hearing that yeah like, like I, it, I think yeah i think i'll have to send you the I have the, the video and um uh, i've been meaning to put it up on like youtube or whatever and the um because uh yeah it was a cool experience and and it was a cool like piece of music and uh it was uh it was really cool playing it live and and um because i hadn't played live before that for like since um 2016 so i've been like three years since i played live my okay. old band um and so it was kind of cool and and uh it kind of was cool too for me to do something yeah it was very very dark like the whole song was called uh crawling into extinction Okay. So the oh. the the whole idea of the project is the flood of blood is the flood of blood that'll wipe mankind away from the earth. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> so it's very like kind of misanthropic. Like. <laughs> I love that. And I love like the you know just the the incorporation of like different types of sounds and and instruments and stuff like that. Like that's really you know, 
again, like what you know, like the beginning of this conversation, you know, I, I'm always, I'm always uh, very intrigued to find out, like you know, all the different things that people are trying to do to like create soundscapes and stuff. It's uh, it's really fascinating to me, you know, just things that people play around. Like you were mentioning, like using like tapes and like that. There's this uh, guy who writes like scores and stuff, um, uh, William Basinski. And he's got this album called the disintegration tapes. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, Mm -mm. but um, it's literally like he, he plays music that's on tapes that that he's written, but he plays it until the, like the tape starts to deteriorate and he records that whole process of the deterioration of the tape. And, um, and then he gets, you get this disintegration tape album and it's like, it's, you know, it's not metal or, or anything, but it's like, uh, it's just an interesting idea, you know, that someone came up with. And I, I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Yeah. I'm really into like, um, experimental and, um, like dark ambient and like ritual black ambient and like Mm -hmm. noise music, stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that kind of stuff, you know? So it's like, uh trying to work on some stuff in that vein right now so like as well like some um gonna as like a kind of um ritual like black ambient project like so you should uh rent a, rent a bulldozer and run it through a building like uh mers Val supposedly did oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't think that ever happened but there's a, a story like that that supposedly happened yeah like i know but, that uh einster's a new belt and like um apparently had to stop a show one time because you know they're using like their their jackhammer live yeah 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 and they like they like start, <laughs> they start to like take the building down with it or something like that yeah it was like fucking yeah. with the building so they had to stop like their show <laughs> and evacuate. how but crazy it, and it it's an ironic as well because einstein's a new bout and means like um imploding like new buildings so oh, it's really like, yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of ironic yeah but yeah i like, love that kind of shit like and then um uh, not not as extreme but um there's this really like my favorite tom waits album is an album called swordfish trombone and yeah. like if, if you list if you look at the liner notes in the back like where he lists all the instruments that are used there's like brake caliper is like one of the instruments used and like a dumpster with like bass strings across it is another instrument like and yeah. he really did he just like made these instruments out of like whatever fucking thing he found laying around and like I'm just I, I I love that kind of shit. Yeah, I love that too. Like Bone Machine has like the literally the use of bones as like a percussion yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott Walker on on the drift, he used he used like meat like on one of the songs. They're literally like uh, using drumsticks on sides of meat. Oh wow! Like 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 to get this like sound like or like kind of like yeah like. There's this really weird folky band out of New York called O Def. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or not um but really cool stuff very dark and their first album head home um like the drummer has literally a metal gas can as one of his toms and he plays chain mail like he has like a just a section of chain mail that he uses like and he'll slap the the cymbals with it or slap the snare with it and on one of their songs they like literally record the sound of a trash bag full of glass bottles and they just pick it up and drop it and pick it up and drop it. And they oh, like, nice. make that. It. Yeah. yeah. And they, they just create a bunch of really crazy sounds. And the vocalist is like, he's wild. He's got this really strange like voice. Uh, I'll send you some of their stuff too, man. That, um, Oh death. It's, it's like more, it's not metal, but it's dark. It's really dark. I, it's hard to, it's folky, but punky, 
and then just like really out there evil kind of stuff it's cool it's a really cool project nice yeah my brother yeah. also for that foot of blood he um on his drum kit he had like a saw blade oh nice like on the on the um on the snare which created uh-huh. this weird sound because i was like hitting it and it was like the saw blade was like vibrating on the snare it was created this weird, oh that's cool yeah like yeah but he was he's like um um he went to school for like jazz, like improvisation and stuff like that. He was like involved with like jazz improv groups and then as well as like hardcore and, uh, and like he did, uh, he was in the, forgetting the band name. It was like kind of like, a, um, I guess like a real like out there experimental, like hardcore band, like in, in Chicago and stuff for a while. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe if he's like, you know, you know, maybe one of these days you guys can get back together and do the flood of blood again or something like that, you know, or make a new thing. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. He moved out to uh, New York, but um, yeah, I mean, eventually I need to come. I, it's like funny. Cause like, uh, I would say 90% of the people that I'm friends with or know are on the East coast now. So it's like, <laughs> I need to, I need to get out, out, out to like that area and, I keep I keep telling like Jackie and Mike and all those guys that there needs to be like a a horseman of the apocalypse um like gathering, you know, like just Jackie and and Mike Scandato and Mike Hill and you and me and Brandon and like just get everybody like, you know, one place for whatever, like a show or like a hang or you know, whatever it could be. But I think that'd be really fun because we all we're all friends with each other and none of us like hang out really with each other. So <laughs> I think it'd be it'd be like a cool thing to you know if 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 it ever happens, you know, if we if we could ever make it work where everyone's schedule lined up, I think that would be a lot of fun just to like, you know, everyone shoots the shit and you know, mingle amongst each other and like, you know, do it around like a show or something, you know, like you know, Mike and I are going to see um Emperor in I think it's June or July. But like something like that, you know, like a big band that doesn't play often coming together and like find a spot that works for everybody and like all of us meet up and go. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think a good, you know, probably, you know, maybe somewhere in like uh, up in the northeast, you know, like New York or something like that probably be the, the optimum like type of location probably it it would definitely be the best the best place for finding a good show i would say you know one also for um you know most of us are here in the states so it's like you know and new york is fairly easy for somebody from europe to get to i think like yeah that airport right there yeah the the flights are pretty or i know flights are a lot cheaper to go from new york to like you know europe than say from denver to europe you know like denver to europe is like a pretty uh i mean uh, pretty pricey, pricey prospect, which I haven't gone very often. So it's like, uh, you know, I, although Denver has like a direct flights to Iceland nowadays, which is kind of funny. Like nice. sometimes, sometimes it's cheap because Iceland air has a hub out of Denver. So it's like, I love it, Iceland. Iceland's such a cool fucking place. That's, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like yeah. to go. I mean, I know sometimes they run these like really good deals on flights to Iceland. And I was like, you know, sometime I want to, I want to go, maybe to like try to hit the Ascension festival or something one year. Cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They have like a, yeah, the Ascension one. And there's like another one in Reykjavik. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like a, it's like a catch-all festival where it's got like music from, you know, they'll have mayhem and then they'll have like Lady Gaga or not, well, not Lady Gaga, but they'll have, you know, they'll just have like artists from all different genres all playing like this one festival. And like, everyone's cool with it. Like everyone goes and sees, 
everybody show, you know, and it's like, um, it sounds like a really like cool time uh, just because, you know, you get exposed to a lot of different stuff and you end up meeting people you never would have met because they probably wouldn't go to like a Vakken or go to a Hellfest or something like that. Right. But I, yeah. can't, I can't, I can't remember what the name of that festival is now. I know what you're talking about. I, yeah. I can't remember either. But yeah. I mean, that's the crazy thing about Europe. Like if you think about the fact that say like, I guess like Watain, for example, or like can, when they put out an album, like go to the top of the charts in like Sweden, you know, like it's, yeah, it's, right, right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of funny. Like that. Uh, yeah. At this point, like, I mean, metal seems to overall to be a little bit more, um, I've always thought it seemed like metal was a bit more respected as art form than in the States. I think in the States it's kind of changed, but, uh, like I remember being, you know, 18 and, you know, if you're in the metal, like people like thought you were like a fucking weirdo or something, you know? What I mean? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. 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 We were like, a freak. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a little bit different now kind of, but, uh, you know, it's definitely like, uh, not respected as much. I don't think by a lot of people still here. You can definitely thank the Swedes though. Cause like, you know, bands like Amada Marth and Ghost have like definitely caught on in a lot of popularity in the past, like, you know, a few years. I mean, especially Ghost, like Ghost is on TikTok now. I don't use TikTok, but I see like TikTok ads on, on YouTube and like, it's fucking Ghost doing that Mariana Cross song. I'm like, it's so crazy to me to see shit like that. You know, people like TikTok girls singing along to a fucking, you know, Tobias Horry, like singing about the devil and shit. Like, it's weird yeah it's definitely weird like uh i when ghost came out like um if you were to tell me that they were gonna be like one like one of the bigger like metal bands you know in like whatever like 10 years later whatever i would have been like you're a fucking liar you know like yeah but, yeah. but they are <laughs> i know it's crazy it's crazy it's weird it is weird you know and i i don't know how i feel about it <laughs> <laughs> like like I, I guess i'm okay with it but uh I'm not the I'm not the biggest ghost fan. I, yeah. I like some I like some songs, but overall, um, I can leave it. I don't, you know, it's not like my my favorite thing in the world. But I mean, you know, I, I credit where credit's due. They they do write good music and and they do write they they definitely know how to write catchy songs and uh you know. I um yeah, I mean I liked their first couple albums. They were never really like a, a band that I was like super into though, like uh and um I don't know. I kind of like particularly lost interest when he stopped. When it's like, um, uh, when he killed like the Pope character and stuff, and it was like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of went in a more mainstream direction. Like I was kind of like not as interested. Like I liked more of the, the weird like kind of dichotomy of this kind of like blue oyster cult of like Satan. You know, like yeah, yeah, blue oyster cult and Alice Cooper style. Yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, that 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 was cool. That aesthetic. You know, back when he was like the secular haze like the ghost bc stuff like that was that was neater you know i i thought you know um it had this allure of creepiness to it you know but yeah when they went mainstream and and he starts like does a music video where he's doing ballet i was like i'm over this i can't do this now <laughs> yeah but i was never super into ghosts like i remember um i remember first time hearing their first album and kind of being like um this just sounds like scooby-doo dude dude yeah. that's it that is exactly what i have i've said this i said it to uh jackie i've said this all the time it's fucking ghost is scooby-doo music like 100 scooby-doo yeah. music is so, <laughs> so funny you said that <laughs> oh my god it is it is it's fucking scooby-doo music 100 
yeah i was just kind of like um yeah i'm i'm okay like uh not really my thing I, it's so like i don't i haven't listened to ghost in uh yeah i don't remember last time i listened to ghost it's, it was a while back so i mean i can't even comment 100 on like their new music because i never even bothered to listen to their last like couple albums but uh yeah. uh yeah i mean i just kind of like that yeah. guy had a he had a fucking uh it's, i, I want to say it's unmerciful but it's not unmerciful um repugnant repugnant yeah yeah that, yeah uh like uh something to the grave um i can't remember what the hell it's called now it's like from beyond the grave or something like that but um that that fucking uh ep album whatever um was pretty fucking heavy um so like i mean the guy you know and he was also uh a live guitar player for this really fucking crazy weird punk band from sweden called uncle Kunkel. um <laughs> and uh it's like it's like pop punk kind of, but it's like with anal cunt lyrics and, um, but all in Swedish, but like, yeah, the guy, the Tobias, he like comes from, he comes from like a background of like legit, like heavy, like, you know, music and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I know he's legit and, and I know that this ghost thing is just like, you know, he just figured out a way to make money doing music, which I have to commend the guy for doing that. You know, it's just, it, like you said, it's not really my thing. Yeah, I don't I don't really have a problem with ghosts being big or whatever. Um like uh for me like I'm kinda like um you know, I think I think it's good to have um heavy music be a, like I think it's good to have some type of form of heavy music being popular, you know. Yeah. Personally. yeah. Like I don't have any problem with 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 uh kind of more straight heavy metal stuff being like uh popular because i mean i think that it's it's cool tool to me because it keeps the genre going in a way you know so sure and it, and it acts as a you know it acts as a um a jumping off point for somebody to potentially get into heavier stuff you know i mean like that's how it was for me you know when i my trajectory was like when I was a kid, you know, listening to like Nirvana and Alice in Chains, like that led me into like Metallica and Pantera. And then that led me into, you know, heavier and heavier. And eventually it was Cannibal Corpse and Immortal and Carpathian Forest. And like, so like, but I, you know, you need those bands, you know, those, those bands to get people into other stuff. And like, so they serve a multi-purpose. They serve the purpose, like you said, like, you know, they keep the genre alive and and you know record labels interested in that in those types of bands but it also has the potential to get somebody uh into you know somebody who listens to green day might eventually one day get into black flag you know so they do they definitely have a, a role to play for sure yeah i mean like i mean like the first time i heard of like um extreme metal vocals was hearing slipknot you know what i mean like and, sure yeah, yeah and uh you know that was kind of like I heard like Slipknot, like the the first album, and like that was the first time you ever heard like some. I heard like somebody growling and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I had heard like Slayer and Metallica and stuff like that before that, but and then I heard Slipknot and heard that, and I really liked this, that kind of extreme vocals and stuff like that. And then then I'm like found out about black, you know, death metal and black metal and stuff from there. You know, so you know, like, right because it, it sets off like the chain reaction. It's like you know now you like this thing. And now you want to see how far the rabbit hole goes, you know, I mean, well, I, that, that's what it was for me for sure. Yeah. So I remember, and I remember reading, I used to get guitar world when I was a, a kid and a teenager. And I remember they had a whole big thing. Like when Iowa came out with, um, what's that guy, the Mick guy, a guitar player. And 
Yeah, Nick the, Jones or something. Yeah, like yeah. the real, real big guy who's like the one who's yeah. on Extreme Metal. And he was, and in that interview, he's talking about death metal bands that were a big influence on him. And Dory Jordanson's talking about loving how much he loves Satyricon and stuff. And so it was like right. you're reading them talking about death metal and black metal stuff. And then that's like, okay, I need to go check out these bands that they're mentioning. You know what I mean? So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, you that, know, that was a big one for me, like back in the CD days, you know, I would always listen to the album. I'd read the booklet while I was listening to the album, you know, and so I could read the lyrics. But I'd also like go into like the the thanks section, you know, and in the thanks section, there was always, you know, each member of the band would always like thank, you know, their mom and dad and record label and all that kind of shit first. But then they'd like list all these bands that, you know, they were thanking as well. And I'm like, okay, well, if I like this, yeah, I got to check out this as well. And I mean, that was like, that was like the early internet for me. Like that was how I would find other stuff. I'd look in the liner notes, something I liked. And then, then I would just, you know, piggyback off of that band and then go through the liner notes on that album. And then, you know, and then just start amassing all this stuff that, or I would buy an album simply based off the album cover, which I got some fucking lemons that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> Get some like album like fucking looks awesome and it turns out it's like complete fucking garbage. Yeah. I can't even, yeah. yeah. Or you'd or sometimes you, I mean sometimes it would you'd end up finding something like I remember I got Dazzling Kilman because I liked the cover or something like that. And I was like uh-huh. I was like, oh this is cool. And that's like such an obscure band, like for a lot of people who don't know like, you know, like the stuff and you're like, oh. so it's a cool like way to sometimes find some stuff that you maybe otherwise you're right otherwise wouldn't know but the other thing that i really used when i was growing up was um there was a website called allmusic.com oh yeah i remember all music yeah yeah Yeah. and uh what's great about that is let's say you're like okay i want to check out uh and that's how i would get into genres i'd be like going through the thing and it'd be like um i don't know like i remember finding uh you do something as a jumping so i remember I, i was a big U2 fan when I was a kid. Like my uh-huh. dad had the Joshua Tree album and Yeah, Joshua Tree's good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And I would look up um, you know, get get U two and then they look up and then it would have like uh U2 is like post punk. Like, okay, I look up post punk and then suddenly I'm seeing like Echo and the Bunnyman and and you know, Joy Division and all these bands and then I'm going out, you know, making a list for myself and then going to C D stores and and that's yeah. how that's how I got in. That's how that was like my entryway into a lot of stuff because because of those lists and stuff on all music and like the kind of their little like mini histories of the genres. Like I remember when I got into black metal, I did the same thing, and you know they had, you know it was a good starter point because then you know you had Emperor, Immortal, Birds, and like all these kinds of bands like listed as like a starting point. And, For sure, I did I did that too. I, I definitely did that, and then. Um, I remember too, they used to have these stores. I don't think they have them anymore, but they used to have these chain of record stores called FYE. And um, in FYE, they actually had these like listening stations where you could like scan the CD and then um, like listen. uh, Like they had like the, they would have the, no, no, that's not even true. They would have the CD and they would have a CD player. You had to go ask the person if you could have the CD. And then they let you take the CD and then you could put it in the CD player and then you listen to the album. And I would just like take a stack of CDs up to like the counter <laughs> and be like, I want to listen to all of these. And then I just like go through it and like, you know, I'd have like, I'd have like 20 bucks or something, you know, in my pocket. So like I could only buy one CD. So I'd listen to all <laughs> of them and then I'd pick the one that I liked the most, you know, and then, and then I would do that like the next week or next month or whatever. And, uh, 
yeah i mean yeah it's it's a lot easier nowadays to get music <laughs> but but it, it was kind of fun in those days because it was like you know it was like a treasure hunt you know you were like you know always like researching things and you were finding stuff and you know it's like mixtape days you know i i'd make a you know in the early internet days when you could download like torrents and stuff you know i'd download huge discographies and i'd make a mix cd and give it to my friends and then they would make one and they'd give it to me you know and then then there was like file sharing on yahoo messenger you could like i remember my buddy tom who's like one of my best friends and and music buddies he had like he was he was prolific with that shit he would just download like fucking days and days and days of music and then he would just file share and i i would just we would just leave our computers open and like so like all day long it was just transferring files and i'd come <laughs> home and you, but the only problem with that is like a lot of times like shit was like not like uh labeled properly but you yeah. would just have like you would just have so much music to like go through i mean i have i have booklets and booklets of cds that are just like burnt cds just uh, you know just i couldn't even tell you what's on there but i mean i found so much stuff and then you know i would i would absolutely go back like in my later years and buy like the real versions of that stuff because i liked it so much you know like yeah but, i did the uh, same yeah my, i had a like i said I'm, some of my friends that i'm so friends with like um you know we we're all like uh you know, communicate on like AI, uh, AIM, like, um, and yeah, um, yeah. you could do file sharing on that as well. And um, yeah, like I had one, I didn't really do like the downloading thing myself, but uh, but I had a friend who, one of the guys was really good at that. And so he would be the kind of the source, like he'd be like, hey, can you find me like all the Black Legion stuff? And so we right. go on as like, like kind of shared like fucking, and, and I would share that with my other friends and then we'd all be kind of like, you know, all four of us or whatever it would be like fucking like on this like journey of like let's listen to all the Black Legions like stuff like you know for the first time like all the Black yeah but it, it was awesome man. I miss, and, yeah <laughs> I miss those days because you know it was like you were always like also like you were kind of like one upping everybody because you're like oh you think that's cool you should fucking listen to this fucking thing because we never heard any of it like none of us had heard you know we didn't when you're first finding out about bands like you know uh woods of Ypres or like belfagor or fucking whatever the fuck it is that was like the first time you ever heard anything like that so like now it's like it's like hard to it's hard to shock me you know like if i send you something and you're immediately you're gonna be like oh yeah that kind of reminds me of this thing or that thing right you know because you've already heard all of it but like back those days like you hadn't you didn't have any reference points for any of this music so it was like it was always really exciting to get like the new whatever it was like you know the carnal forge record or fucking this or that you know whatever the hell it was Pyama. I, I mean there was just so much like weird bands that are like still like in my memory like that i remember cephalic carnage was like that like we had we had uh countdown to extinction or no that's fucking negative uh, um what's it called i can't remember what it's called now it's like their first record um and it was like a, a really kind of like more of like a grind Corey album, but we just found that we just like stumbled across the fail at carnage. And then, and then like, you know, they were kind of just an up and coming band in Denver. And then, you know, they, they came out with lucid interval like a year later. And like, that was like their big, you know, milestone record that like, you know, really brought them to the public. But at the time, like we were just like, you know, we just stumbled across this shit, you know, I remember <clears throat> and then shows too like another Colorado band that I love live is this band Macabre. And the only reason I know about those guys is because uh, Campbell Corpse 
brought them on tour and uh, we saw them at this club uh, that was near that closed down, but used to be nearby here. Um, and, and macabre came on stage and like, you know, they had like the whole gimmick of the serial killers and like, you know, the singer, he like, uh, he, every between every song he like tells like a little story about albert fish used to molest little boys and he would have them spank him on the butt with a paddle and then yeah (laughs) albert fish is the sickest fish in the sea you know and i was like never seen anything like that i mean to to their credit i haven't seen anything like that since either but um but you know i have seen lots of metal acts nowadays but yeah it was just it was just such a fun era of like discovery and i I look back on those like years very fondly because uh, that's something that I, I, it's like, you never have that again. It's like, you'll never, it's like your first kiss. Like you'll never have the first again, you know, it's still good, but it's like, you'll never have the first, you know, I, I, I do miss those days sometimes. Like they're, they were fun. Yeah. And there's that excitement and I try to tap into that though. And remember the feelings that I had when I was like, you know, teenager getting into this kind of music and excitement for it and try to maintain that. Cause I think it's like, it's important not to get jaded and like, like oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's like a big thing for me is like trying to just, you know, keep that, that feeling alive as much as possible, you know, but, but with the knowledge, like we obviously it's never gonna be quite the same as like when you're 17 or whatever, getting into it. But it's like, yeah, I always try yeah. to like keep hold of that, uh, those, that feeling as much as possible, you know? Well, I definitely, I definitely try to always like give, you know, when like you recommend something or Jackie recommends something, I'll listen to the whole album and like give it like a solid shake, you know, because I don't want to be that person just like listens to the first 10 seconds and like, you know, just writes it off. You know, I, I definitely I still I'm still a fan of music. You know, at the end of the day, I'll always be a fan of music. So I, I definitely still uh, that's my attempt at, at that is like I'll always give a, an artist a, a, a proper shake, you know, and. I, uh, I'll, if I go to a show, I'll stay for the whole show. You know, I, I will watch every single band, you know, even if like I don't know the band or I'm not like digging like the first couple of songs, because you never know, like somebody might, you know, you might find your fucking new favorite band. And I, it's happened to me plenty of times going to a concert to see a specific band, don't know who the opener is, end up buying all the stuff from the opener because I like them more than the headliner, you know, that's <laughs> yeah. happened. It's happened, you know, for sure. It's happened. It definitely happens. That's for sure. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap this up here in a minute. Cause yeah, I'm man, like, it's been, a good been time. like almost three hours. So I was like, it's like, I need oh. to, yeah. Like, oh I, yeah, it has been oh, right on. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, it's been a lot of but, fun. We should definitely do this again sometime. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I was thinking, um, when you get the, quell album done uh we'll do it again so even yeah. if it's in, even if it's only in a month or two you know i don't care you know that's fine awesome. with me so like i don't know when you're gonna have it done but i would like to say it would be at the end of april but realistically it's probably going to be middle may um so uh but yeah it'll it'll i i don't see it going beyond may so it'll be at the latest sometime in may Cool. Yeah. So yeah. we'll definitely do this again, like here in the near future, and have you so we can have get you on, like, you know, end of May or something for the for for that album as well. So awesome. Well, I really appreciate it, and uh, you know, 
I mean, it was really great talking to you, but also thanks for letting me talk about the new project and, and you know, and I definitely look forward to doing this again for sure. Of course, man. Yeah, it's been awesome talk. I mean, I think we could probably go even longer, but I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, I'm like, well, I have some, some things I need to do before I go to bed. So I'm yeah, like, yes, yeah, same, same. I didn't, I didn't actually realize how late it was getting. So no worries. Yeah, man. But yeah, we'll, All right. we'll do, be doing this again soon. And it's been great talking to you, man. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Take care, Carl. You too. Have a good night, brother. All right. Bye. Bye.